What is up, people, and thank you so much for listening in to this edition of the New Generation Sports Talk Podcast. I am your host, EJ Stewart. We're going to be talking a lot about the NBA bubble. We've wrapped up pretty much our first full week of action here. So uh, given now that we're basketball is back, we've seen the teams out there playing in real games, and there are plenty of storylines to discuss, so we'll try to get to as much as we can. we got to talk, obviously, about the contending teams at the top, some of the teams towards the bottom that are trying to move their way into the playoff race, and uh, and even some, some big injuries that we've already seen happen in the bubble, which is something I was worried about, and I think we've already seen some of that uh, uh, come to come to light with this situation, with the players not having um, – having all that time off and then trying to get back to playing highly competitive basketball in a a rather quick time period. So we'll be talking a lot of the bubble stuff. We'll also be talking about college football. The season is, I don't even know what you would, I was going to say in flux, but maybe that's even putting it lightly (laughs) considering, um, obviously we've already seen several conferences, uh, put out their, conference only schedules or maybe you know, a couple of teams maybe have only one non-conference game but uh some of the players don't seem to be all that excited about getting onto the field given the parameters or lack thereof safety parameters out there to protect these guys so we'll talk about that towards the end of the show so uh, i'm excited to do this one we're going to keep it fun and loose uh, kendall i feel kendall's of course my co-host i feel a different energy recording this on a friday night anybody who knows how i meticulously prepare and have notes and and map off the show know that i'm very uh detail oriented and i don't know friday gives me the loosey-goosey feel so i feel like this is gonna be more of a loosey-goosey show so i'm excited about it i don't know how this is gonna go but i think y'all like it we had a first of all before i kendall you go i just want to say also a big massive shout out to jonathan macri if you guys uh didn't hear the last podcast we had an extended conversation with him on the knicks offseason and hiring tom thibodeau so if you've not seen that uh, first of all, you can check it out on our YouTube channel, New Generation Media, where we posted the, the podcast as a video interview on there. And, of course, you can catch the, the interview on our podcast network on the usual uh, sources that you find us, you know, Apple Apple Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud, Stitcher, and TuneIn. But, Kendall, uh, I'm excited to do this uh, Friday night show. I, feel, I have a different feel to this, to this one. Yeah, I mean... There's, there's still a level of intensity for me because obviously I'm a Celtics fan and they have a huge game today against the Toronto Raptors. So, which look, it's fun. The Knicks will have a huge game for the rest of 2020. <laughs> so, so yeah. it, 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 it's all loosey goosey for me. It's, it's not a lot of stress going on right now. Yeah, man. So, but regardless, it's been uh, certainly been interesting, uh, an interesting time in the NBA and uh, certainly in college football. So we'll have some. Uh, some interesting things to talk about for sure um, in regards to the bubble and obviously in regards to what you mentioned, whether or not we'll have a college football season. So, now, I mean, yeah. Yeah. And, and speaking of injuries, you know, Kemba Walker, um, the situation with him, I think if you're a Celtic fan, I think, I think you guys have to be a little nervous knowing, you know, what kind of Kemba are you going to have in the playoffs, especially considering, how good some some of these teams in the Eastern Conference near the top look. Some teams that maybe we didn't think would be as big a threat to Milwaukee, looking more serious, and not you know, excluding Boston in that conversation. So so you know the injuries and, and where players are at in terms of their uh, their games are going to be super important. And before we even go into that, Kendall, and we're going to talk about Mr. Devin Booker of the Phoenix Suns 
later in the show. But did you see? Did you catch Draymond Green in the pregame today on TNT? Oh yeah, Draymond uh, never uh, never goes quietly. <laughs> Yo, Draymond decided to just take the check that TNT gave him and then just give it back to the NBA for tampering fines. Yeah. <laughs> and part of me, I'm, I sat there and watched this thing happen, and I'm like, is this smart or dumb? Like, Yeah, like maybe it was worth it. Yeah, I mean, it, like, we know, like, he, what he did to try to get Kevin Durant to, uh, to Golden State, and he didn't pay any tampering fines, but he was very extensive in the recruiting. Right, the resources he, he, he put out to try to get Durant. Right. Time and energy and other things. Exactly, probably. exactly, Work. for sure. So and it was absolutely worth it. Whatever he did. So, so when I look at this, I'm like, this seems like you're giving away kind of free money because like you know TNT gig is you no, know, it's a very cushy gig. I mean, it's not easy to do television, but it's you no know, a nice source of income, I'm sure, for a guy who who's not collecting game checks. And I'm just like, wow, you're just giving that money right, right back to the NBA because uh, on, on the on the the pregame show for uh, for a TNT NBA tip off. The topic of Devin Booker came up, and again, we'll talk about how the Suns have played recently, but they've been on a roll. And Devin Booker said, quote, get my man out of Phoenix. It's not good for him. It's not good for his career. I need my man to go somewhere here. He can play great all the time and win. Then Ernie Johnson asked, are you tampering? (laughs) Which is kind of like what they say about the question where it's like, you know, do you beat your wife? That, that question where it's like, you know, this very, very, you know, leading question to ask. Right. And Draymond just says, you know, being Draymond, he's like, maybe. Now, we had a very uh, extensive conversation the other day, EJ, about Donovan Mitchell potentially leaving the Jazz. This was all fair, but... Yeah. Um, and what different options uh, could possibly be on the table for Donovan Mitchell... Maybe that'll be a YouTube video, but we'll we'll, we'll have to discuss that a little. Coming up with uh, coming up with YouTube ideas on the spot on our yeah, podcast on the spot. You're always, you're always churning the ideas. <laughs> now you're gonna but, have people be like, "Yo, where's my Mitchell video?" Yeah, I know, right? But the my question to you is: Is there any way Devin Booker could end up in, in Golden State, and what would that look like? Yeah, I mean, I didn't. I I feel like when we've talked about, no, never talked about. This, yeah, when we talked about Booker. I've never heard about him being an option for the Warriors. I mean, that would never. Be very fun, but um, it kind of reminds me of my idea of getting Bradley Beal there. Like to me, like right. it's the same, it's kind of the same thing. Yeah. Uh, do they have enough to get him? I don't Chris think so. Didn't help. I don't think so. Like I mean, yo, I mean, Phoenix is crazy though. Again. Monty Williams, head coach, doing a great job. Seems the front office. I think we got to say, at, you know, at seeing this season, you know, they put together, and I was, I was one who gave them some credit. You don't want to give them a lot of credit. Yeah, they, you love the Cam Johnson yeah. pick, Rubio signing. Yeah, they they did some things this offseason, and we see that you know they improved. So, and who right. knows if Aiden doesn't get suspended, maybe this season looks e- even more different. But I I I feel like um, with the way. The Warriors, excuse me, with the way the Suns are set up, if you are going to trade Booker, I just don't think you can sell to your fans. We're getting back Andrew Wiggins. Like, that to me is just like the ultimate slap in the face. And it's not, and you guys know who do this podcast. I don't hate Andrew Wiggins as much as. Yeah, you were a bigger Andrew Wiggins fan than I was. Yeah, and I'm not, and I don't hate him as much as like smart basketball Twitter hates him. 
And I'm not saying that he doesn't deserve some of the criticism he gets. He deserves a lot of it. But I still feel like I still respect guys with high skill level. And I feel like if you can get the right coach and that, that sometimes, it's not often, but sometimes you could end up having a guy who maybe was a problem for a lot of his career turning out to be a star. And Wiggins always, to me, feels like he's that candidate. A guy with all the physical tools and, and a lot of the skills to be a, a really good player and just has never had – he's never either had or he's never accepted the, the right coaching to make him a winning type of player. He had Thibodeau, who we know is a winning caliber coach. It didn't seem like he ever really accepted anything Thibodeau was trying to teach him. So that's a problem, obviously, and that's part of the reason why he is the figure he is in the NBA. But – with that being said, you, he can't be your main piece in acquiring Devin Booker. Like, no no way. Two, let's say they get a top three pick in the draft. You could make the case, Kendall, even with the top three pick in the draft, he would still be. With this draft, if it ain't number one, you could make the case that he's still the prized possession of your trade. I mean, I think if you're getting, if you're getting Edwards or LaMelo, that guy is the centerpiece. Um, obviously, they wouldn't want Aiden. But, I mean, not Aiden. They wouldn't want Wiseman. To me, those are the only two guys that I would look at and like think that they could be good enough to be like the center. And we're, we're saying they only want they wouldn't want Wiseman only based on the reporting we've heard. That's what you're basing that off of because no one on their roster. <laughs> no, I'm saying uh, Phoenix wouldn't want. Wiseman. Oh, sorry, sorry. Yeah, I see what you're saying. Right, Phoenix wouldn't want Wiseman. Um, and I'm just thinking in terms of like star power. Those are pretty much the only three names that I could imagine could be like the centerpiece of a Devin Booker kind of trade. Other than that. I mean, the rest of the guys we're talking about are guys that Suns fans probably never heard I just of. Feel like, I just feel like teams, if it gets to a point where you're trying to ship Devin Booker, for a guy who signed long-term, who has zero, zero leverage, because he can't go somewhere and be like, I'm not signing long-term. Like, he's yeah, got, he like, did. three more years left on his contract. So, at least three. At least two. If not two, maybe more. I think it's at least two or three. So He's got three more. Yeah, he's got three full more years. So, he has zero leverage on where he can go and I feel like I'm definitely beating that someone's beating that off Andrew Wiggins is a guy I never would really want like maybe I'd want he's the kind of guy you want to get kind of you kind of want to steal Andrew Wiggins I feel like if you're going to acquire him you want to be like we gave up nothing and we got some you got this guy who's super talented who we turned into a really good player even though he's been a loser and and kind of been a a, uh, a, you know an analytics disaster for most of his career like that's so, what you don't want to. You want to say I gave up my my best player in a decade, <laughs> and I got back Andrew Wiggins. They also have the Minnesota. That can't pick. be. That can't be. They've got Minnesota draft pick next year as well, um, which would also be included. And, and somebody's still Thompson, beating that right? trade. So that see now now we're getting somewhere. <laughs> now we're cooking. With now that. we're getting somewhere because when Draymond said that, the first thing I thought was, and I don't know if he's thinking this, but I thought, I mean. Devin Booker doesn't have a bad knee. He's a little <laughs> younger. He's just as talented offensively. A different type of player is, but and I, you know, I love Clay Thompson. So that's not right. everybody who knows. That's how highly I think of the way Booker's playing right now. Um, Clay Thompson's a complete stud, but again, he's a little older, and Devin Booker's got just as much game. So now, if I'm Phoenix, can I sell to my fans? Okay, we're getting a. a what three-time NBA champion and a future Hall of Famer? 
Yeah, he's a little older, but we're a team that's trying to win, and we got a lot of young guys who don't know what the hell they're doing, and we need to move these guys along. If Booker expressed he doesn't want to be there, then. Yeah, that's a pretty great rebound. Yeah, that makes more sense. That that's, that's something I can. Pick, but yeah, I'm still I'm still getting that pick. I'm taking it again. I'm taking a guy with a bad knee, you know. And I look, yeah. uh, you know, shout out to Clay Thompson. And hopefully he recovers. Again, he's one of my favorite players in the NBA. But he just he is coming off, coming off an ACL injury. So yeah, I'm getting I'm getting a pick. So I'm getting a pick and Clay Thompson is over. Like that's 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 what I'm talking about. But I don't think that that's where they're going. I think that they would try to create another super team and. In doing so, you're going to try to keep your quote-unquote big three of, you know, Green, Curry, and Thompson. And you're going to play. I, I, I've always felt that Clay could absolutely play the three, especially in this NBA. Like, that's why I wanted Bradley Beal to go. I wanted three, him to, have to run there. Right. And, yeah, and then now it's, I don't know if he's the kind of guy he should be chasing around point guards anymore. You know, I don't know if he should be um, chasing around these little guys. I think he probably should be playing, you know, guys, you know, a little bigger, not as fast. I think he'll still end up being, when he comes back, a really good defender. But we know what he was before. I don't know if he's going to be that guy again. And I don't know if, based on what he gives that team, they need him doing that. Like, that might not be good for his long-term health. So, moving to the three makes a lot of sense in that regard as well. And he gets to go against a lot of slower players, too. So, that could help him in a lot of ways. We see it all the time with these guys who go from three to four or four to five. You know, guys who were average players of the four become above average of the five because they're going against five men who aren't used to playing with a guy that skill level. You know, the two to three, a lot of these guys are similar skill level, but there's some guys that, you know, some three men that are totally different than the kind of guys you see playing the two. And they got a guard, Clay Thompson, who's running around screens like a madman. That's 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 not easy for Marcus Morris, you know what I'm saying, who's a good defender. But Marcus yeah. Morris is chasing around Clay Thompson. He's having a lot of trouble. You know, that's not what you want. And he's the kind of guy that on a certain team could be playing the three. You know what I'm saying? So Yeah. So that's how I think Golden State would want to move it. I just feel like if you're not including Clay Thompson in this trade, I think somebody's beating the Warriors offer. If somebody out there says a guy with that kind of skill level signed long term is giving you the world to get him. And he they he probably deserves it. Like again, when you consider the years on his contract and his talent, I know he hasn't won a lot. And maybe this you're seeing him kind of turn the corner in terms of becoming a winner in these this, this week of basketball, and that's why you got to keep that in perspective too. It is only a week, um, and the way the the Grizzlies and the Pelicans' horrific play has also really opened the door for like the Suns to even be in this discussion. So we got to take that in consideration as well. But um, but no, I just had to, I, I had to mention that, and we'll talk about the Suns a little bit later uh, in regards to where we think they'll end up here. But I had to talk about that Draymond Green thing. Because I'm like, he really just came out here and just, he was asked a question that was very easy to just say no. And he was just like, oh, maybe. I'm just like, okay. Adam Silver, line one. <laughs> Draymond, as soon as he gets off the set. Yeah, yeah, he's uh, he's asking for the fine. Because in theory, you could be like, well, why wasn't he fired for the LeBron stuff? But, I mean, he they asked him if he's tampering, and he said maybe. <laughs> you know, there is no, like, there's no legal defense for that. But it is what it is. Draymond Green also, uh, Draymond Green, if he wasn't trying, if he didn't mean to get himself in that mess, but he did, to me, he's just also another example of, like, like why trying to be Charles Barkley, <laughs> people need to stop. Like, I'm watching this, and I'm just like, it's like, kind of like, Dre is great, and 
Dre has a great personality, but I felt like it was him doing too much. You know what I'm saying? And I see a lot of guys out here who I feel like I feel like every network who does sports is trying to find their Charles Barkley. And I'm like, please, please just be yourself and don't say anything dumb. Charles is a special character and he gets away with it. So if Draymond did not mean to get himself in that bubble and he did, I think it was probably because he was trying to play up a little bit more than he probably had to. Because Draymond's too smart to do that on purpose. You know what I'm saying? Like, if he wasn't trying to. You know what I'm saying? Like, if he, if he said, oh, I'm going to get this fine, like I said, and he thought, I'll take the fine if it helps us get Devin Booker here, then that's different. But if he's just messing around and he realized, oh, snap, I got myself. Like, he, he, he don't, you don't need to do that, dog. Like, he, he's, he's, way too, he's way too charismatic and too smart. He doesn't have to be over the top like that. But anyway. Um, but, yeah, man, uh, NBA bubble basketball. It's been good. What do you think of the action? I feel like I have been surprised at how good the games have been and how crisp the teams are offensively. Now, the defense is a disaster, and that's not surprising. But I guess I I would have thought that these guys' individual games and their timing would have needed way more work. But that really isn't the case. I feel like I don't watch too many games where I'm like, oh, these guys are, like, really rusty. Like, I, I... I feel like everybody clearly was getting a lot of great work in during this time down in the you know quarantine and in the pandemic. So I've I've been I've I've liked the action again. Some of these games, I, the defense is just so bad. I'm like Jesus. We're in it's, it's the team scored 100 points in three quarters. Like it's like that happened a lot. It wasn't like one game. You got yeah. teams 98 to 89 at the end of the third. I'm like, come on again. Like can we get some defense? So that that's like I don't love watching those kind of games, but. But I think it is a testament to that these guys are sharp. You know what I'm saying? So, first of all, before we get into anything else about the bubble, what do you make of the of some of the hoops we've seen and the quality? Yeah, the quality of basketball has been has been fine. Um, I agree. Defensively, there's been some uh, some lapses uh, at times. Um, some of it is we have a lot of good teams in here. Um, but uh, for the most part, look, I mean, like the Portland-Houston game was a well-played game defensively. It was shockingly, oh, that that yeah. was a sh- shocking score. Yeah, man. Like, that was a game I'm like, all right, we're going to see a 150, 149 <laughs> kind of game. Similar to what we had with Dallas and Houston. Yeah, Dallas and Houston, right. And I was like, <laughs> Houston important playing defense in this game, of all games? Yeah. I think when we get to the postseason, I think the defense is going to uh, increase. I think it it, it intensify, usually happens like that. Intensify, yeah, it like, does. You know, like, in the, it, like back in the, like, in, during, in, like, recent years in the NBA, it was like, okay, they played defense maybe 40% of the season. Now it's, like, down to, like, 15, 20% of the season. But even yeah. in recent years, we've seen, once the playoffs start, the games are totally different. Like, and that's what, <laughs> it's, what it's, a, it's literally like watching a different sport. So the defense will be back. You know, the points will be up because they still shoot a lot of threes, but the level of competition and, and the offense execution will not be as good because the defense just gets turned up in the playoffs. Do you think the environment helps offense? I've read that. I've heard about that. I you know, in terms of I don't I don't know because some people say, okay, you're shooting at the same basket, you know the depth perception, and that's a great point. Is anybody who's yeah. played hoops like that is true. You know, your familiarity with the court. And no helps. crowd no crowd discretions as well. Right, but then at the other, on the other side, while that's true, you would also think, okay, well, because there's no crowd, shouldn't teams' defensive communication be way better? Yeah, you think they'd be a little sharper, right? So but I think I think they get a lot of energy, and offenses are probably a little more rattled. 
by the crowd, typically, than in right. these scenarios. Like, it just looks more comfortable. It looks like an AAU game. And, like, an NBA player playing an AAU game should always dominate. Yeah. yeah. You, once you I put him that. on that stage in front of 18,000 people, 20,000 people, it gets a little tighter. Yeah. Um, so I do wonder if some of that is why the offense has uh, has increased. While we've seen certain performances from guys that we did not expect, uh, that we have not seen in their careers before. So um, it is interesting. Um, but overall, I think the quality of play has been been fine. And we have seen we've seen very few injuries. Obviously, the Jonathan Isaac thing was unfortunate. Um, yeah. You know, uh, it's torn wishing, ACL. Wishing, a, wishing a speedy recovery for Jonathan Isaac. You never want to see that. Right, but the the concern that a lot of these guys had about soft tissue injuries, I mean, it feels like for the most part, you know, the guys that have gotten hurt, um, it's probably around the same amount of injuries that guys would normally have uh, in in the NBA. So it seems as if that that's become less of a concern than it was prior to the bubble, which I never yeah. really thought because in, in in the Israeli basketball league. And in you know the Euro in in you know European soccer, we haven't seen like some sort of massive increase in injuries because of uh, because of that quarantine period. So yeah, I'm a whole judgment on that because while yes, we have we had one catastrophic injury with Isaac to a guy right? And to be fair, yeah. And then we had the Simmons injury, which I guess we should probably just get to right after this. Um, I'll hold because I will say again they're not in the playoffs yet, so I'm, I'm wondering okay what happens, you know seven eight game stretch and then now you're in the playoffs and now you're playing at a super super high level like these teams work their way, eighty two games to get to that level of basketball and now here it's kind of like, and I think what I will say is I feel like my, uh, well I don't want to say it's a prediction because it's kind of what I said it what we were seeing during the scrimmages which is that this is a new season, this these are. Some of these players are new players, they're new teams, like considering yeah. the work they've gotten in, in what was essentially a full NBA offseason. Um, we had I, the Jared Jackson injury as well, I forgot. Yes, and Jared Jackson, yeah, so we've had we've had some, you know what I'm saying? In a seven, six, seven game stretch, we've had three, three, three starters and two, you would say, one's an all-star and, and two are stars, I guess you would say, for their teams. Team. Yeah, for their teams, yeah. Uh, go down and they're done. Oh, Ben Simmons, we don't know his stuff, but are gone for a long period of time. I mean, that's a lot for that's a lot for a five game stretch. Yeah, you know what I'm saying. So I, when we say how many injuries, I'm like, I think there's been a, a quite a few. And I, okay, I'm gonna withhold judgment on when I was seeing the playoffs. That's what I'm very concerned about. My thing is, okay, what happened when you guys are going 100 percent full throttle? That's where I'm really concerned. But again, so far not terrible. That we've seen some bad injuries. Let's hope can knock on wood that we don't see anymore what do you make of this uh simmons situation i feel like the simmons injury in a weird way to me makes philly the most one of the most intriguing teams for however long he's out because you know i was watching a little bit of the game before we uh did the show tonight on friday night and i'll be honest they didn't look that great (laughs) um but yeah but what i will say is i think when we start talking about okay I think we've seen this team this this during the bubble, and again, it's still a lot of time. Not a lot of time, but there's still some games before we get to the playoffs. But of all the teams in the East that people are really excited about after seeing the bubble, nobody's excited about the Sixers. I think everybody's like, oh, man, 
Okay, this looks like another season where we'll be looking, wondering in offseason, what do they do to retool this roster? Like, they haven't yeah. really been all that impressive. And Brett Brown's already faced a ton of heat. I mean, that that uh, that that Shake Milton thing just was like a just combustible, just terrible situation. I mean, literally couldn't have gone any worse. And he was getting fried by the local Philly media about that decision. So... Now, so my thing was Philly going to playoffs, not that interesting. Could they upset somebody and maybe make a run? Sure, because they're really talented, but I didn't think they had any chance to make it to the finals, given what I saw. And I, not that I think that they do now without Simmons out, but what I will say is we've seen plenty of times in recent years where Embiid's been out, so we've had to see them play without Embiid. And we've seen Simmons kind of run the show on more of like a up-tempo, kind of more modern style of basketball. Obviously, he's not shooting threes, but just the way they're getting up down, not really worried about post-ups as much. And we've seen sometimes Philly look really dangerous when they've been able to stre- you know, put four shooters, legitimate shooters around Ben Simmons, and he's running the show. But we haven't seen too many times with like, okay, what does Philly look like now without Ben Simmons? We've seen it without Embiid. But Simmons has been relatively... Uh, healthy since his rookie year. Yeah, there have been pockets where they've played without Simmons, and yeah. they were they're good without Simmons as well. Right, but not this 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 partial yeah. dislocation. I mean, it's kind of unclear how long he'll be out, but there's a chance he'll be there's a out. chance he'll be done. Yeah, there's yeah, a chance he's some sort of procedure. He's done. Right, there's a chance we won't see him again, and he's at least going to be out for I would think at least two weeks, and yeah. and that you know playoffs start in two weeks. So and I don't think they're not going to rush him back to play in, again high intensity basketball with that kind of injury. So, Philly becomes interesting to me because, you know, we saw the – okay, Embiid went out there, um, you know, a couple of games before when Ben Simmons was out there. He had 40 and 20, but they lost. And we had the issue with, you know, Shake Milton and him in the, in the locker room and questions – excuse me, on the, on the sidelines and questions about, you know, is this guy a leader? I, I flat out said, I don't – this is this, – this guy is a great talent, but I don't know what Embiid is as a leader. And I shouldn't be asking that question six seven years into his career at this point so to me this is going to be fascinating because i want to see something from Embiid. i want to see him dominate but i also want to see is he able to really make other guys better is he is he the kind of guy that um that really can lift the team because draw double teams right and 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 we always keep looking at simmons being the problem oh he can't shoot he can't shoot and I know Embiid gets his fair share of criticism too, but I feel like it's rarely about his fit. It's normally just about him personally. It's just like he's not in the best shape. He's not taking it seriously. Never about his actual, what he brings to the table. I kind of want to have a discussion about what does he bring to the table as a center in this NBA, and is it worth whatever they're paying him and what they're, they're building their team around? Because the question I saw come up was, you know, because, you know, we're Knicks fans. We think about any star who, who could possibly be available. So people say, what would it take to get Joel Embiid? And the first thing I thought was, I don't want Joel Embiid. <laughs> like, but it made me think. I was like, well, let's see what he is without M. Simmons. Because I, the Knicks certainly don't have a Ben Simmons. And if he gets traded to certain teams, they won't have a Ben Simmons type of player. So they may be asking them to do more. So I think that this is going to be a fascinating time for Philly to see, is he able to carry a team? What does a team that's built around him completely and is is running their offense solely through him look like without having any kind of um, any kind of modifications to to ease Ben Simmons's weaknesses and to try to, you know, hide some of their weaknesses? It's very difficult 
to run both those guys together in some ways because of how they play. My thing is, okay, now it's your show. you you got some talent around you. What kind of leader you are, how do you lift this team? Because if I see them get swept in the first round, or I, I'm going to start asking what is Joel Embiid in this NBA? Yeah, I mean, Philly, if Simmons is out, man, Philly is. You think they're cooked? You would think. Yeah, yeah. Done. I mean, in a first round matchup, they face Miami. Good luck. Um, even if they were to get by them, they, they have to face Milwaukee in the second round. If they drop to the 60 and they have to face Boston in round one, without Simmons, Simmons is kind of the advantage that they have. Simmons or Embiid, like having both of them is the advantage that they have over Boston. Yeah, Simmons, whenever I watch Boston against Philly, and they've showed them a lot on national TV. I mean, I've had Lee pass, but I've, they've been in a lot of high-profile matches. They played in the playoffs. Simmons always felt like the X Factor in the series. Embiid, right. I kinda, you kind of knew what he was. Simmons was like, where this series will go will depend on how he plays. And he hasn't played well enough. In recent, not necessarily this year, but in recent years, and he always like that's always been the thing that's given them the advantage is so they have a point guard that's almost seven foot, and our point guard is six foot, and you know our our biggest guy is Daniel Tice. Like we didn't have we never had anybody to match up with that. So take away either one of those two guys, either Embiid or Simmons, it makes that matchup an awful one for for Philly. Um I think Philly, I think Boston would rather Embiid be out, but I think they'd be fine with Simmons being out as well. Um, so yeah, I, I personally I can't see them getting past any of those teams in the top five of the Eastern Conference, and that, that includes Indiana. I don't think they, I'm not sure they can get by Indiana. Well, what Simmons. would you have to? Oh yeah, I don't mean with, with TJ with TJ Jordan. I don't. <laughs> yeah, Bubble Bubble Warren is like <laughs> Bubble is Jordan is getting Philly out in five games. <laughs> Let me tell you right now. Um, right. I'm semi kidding about that. But uh, <laughs> semi, only semi kidding. <laughs> but, like, what do you have to see? And this will be the last thing. I don't want to spend so much time on Embiid because we don't want this to be a super long show today. But what would you have to see from Embiid to not make you really consider shipping him out? Well, that was going to be the thing that I really want to talk about with Philly was that whatever we see in this bubble going forward, if Simmons is out for the season, should not – should not give them the impression that they should uh, hit pause on the on the retooling of the roster. They shouldn't say to themselves, "Oh, we got screwed over. Let's give it. A, let's give Brett Brown another." Yes, year. And I'll, or I'll say this, Kendall, to add on to that before you continue. Also, giving to Brett Brown only is also not the answer. That yeah, that feels like only a, a, a band aid for exactly. what could be a, a bigger problem. So, I, I feel like I hopefully. Elton Brand, if he's back, Elton Brand can can see through the obvious uh, issues that the Sixers have and say to himself, "All right, I know we didn't have I know we didn't have Simmons, but that's no excuse for um, the way we've played uh, over this last over this whole season. Um, the ups and downs that we've had, the fact that we couldn't win a game on the road all year, like these things aren't those things had nothing to do with Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid." Um, in terms of, like, oh yeah, like those guys, we gotta figure it out with those guys. Like you have to, you have to understand that. Again, like you said, it starts with Brett Brown, but 
they have to make a serious comment. They're going to have to have a serious conversation about retooling the roster. We know at this stage uh, of the Simmons and Bede uh, duo, we we uh, we know they. It seems as if they haven't had a serious conversation about what they have to do with those guys. No. Every every conversation they've had at this stage has been. Who do we have to put around these guys for them to be? And I don't and I don't kill them for that. I felt like that was the right move because I felt like those guys were too talented to not try to see what to, how to make it work. But I just feel you know, man, it's like that. Like we talk about it all the time in the show. Like sometimes those teams like who realize, oh man, we're just a year away. Oh, we're a little young. We just keep we root you know one piece here, one piece there, and we'll be back. Sometimes those those teams never. I feel those teams never make it. Like it's rare. Like Tor- like Toronto had to make a drastic move. They sat there, and they could have just said, "Oh man, we'll just give him one more year, and you know LeBron will be gone, and we'll find a way." They were like, "No, we- that's not going to work. We got to do something drastic." And I know Toronto is, and I-, I mean I know I always tout them because I was so super supportive of them going after Kawhi Leonard, but I I just feel like I know they're an outlier, but those teams who just stay stagnant. I feel like it's 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 not going to do anything for you. I, I think that you got to try to be aggressive when you're that close to contending for a title. And I just think, think another year of just sitting around isn't going to do anything. Do you? I feel like we have we have we has there ever been a discussion about a Simmons Booker swap? Has that ever been a thing? I feel like it should be. We were talking about where would Devin Booker make sense, and. It's an interesting swap because you're losing a lot of defense. You're losing a top-level point guard and distributor. But you're also increasing your shooting tremendously and your one-on-one perimeter playmaking tremendously. If I'm Phoenix, why do I want Ben Simmons? I know Ben Simmons is great, but that's I'm just going to have the same problem in Philly. Like, Simmons and Aiden doesn't sound like a good idea. I mean... Maybe if you if you ship him off in a three team trade, I think I've heard that's we've heard sense. the Booker to Philly thing before. I don't. I mean, I'd rather. I mean, I don't know. I I can't see how that could work. Um, I mean, Simmons obviously has huge value. So if Devin Booker really asked for a trade, I mean, uh, again, beggars can't be choosers in that situation. But um, I feel like there are other moves. I mean, do you go to Washington and say, "Can we have Bradley Beal?" Washington would do that. Um, um, I mean, I get. I well, why would they take a guy with less years on his contract? Philly? No, Washington. Are, are you talking about Washington with 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 Philly? Yeah, I, I sorry, I thought you were on Washington with Phoenix. Where I'm just like right. Um, similar players, and one guy has more time on his deal. Right. I'd rather keep that guy. Uh, Bill for? I mean, that's. I feel like we've heard that more. And that one probably makes a little more sense because Washington is Another, way, they're way more of a blank canvas. And I think we all understand that in an ideal situation, you have to build a team very particularly in a very particular way to to um, to truly uh, you know to to truly get the fullness of Ben Simmons' strengths out. You know what I'm saying? Like you can't just plop Ben Simmons on any team that's built in a certain way and just think, oh, he'll be fine. Like, it has to be built a certain way. Washington is kind of this completely blank slave, blank canvas where... Portland's another one, by the way. Portland's another one that... They're not a blank canvas. Well, if you trade Dame Lillard. They're still not a blank canvas. That roster is... That's one of the weirdest rosters in the NBA. Well, yeah, they're not a, they're not a blank canvas, but 
that's a team where you can build around Simmons as your as your one A. I mean, yeah. I guess, I guess, I, I still feel like I hate the fit with any of their bigs. Anybody yeah. on the roster that's playing the center you'd for them, I hate. I hate next to Ben Simmons. Yeah, you'd have to get more shooting, right? Uh, and that, I guess, that would be the issue. I, I don't know. He's a, I mean, he's a unique player, and it's not. I know he gets a lot of heat. I'm not here to bash Ben Simmons today. It's 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 not anything that's bad about him, but it's just the way he plays. It's not easy. I don't think you just drop him in any roster and be like, oh, we're gonna be a lot better now. Simmons trades. I look. I think Embiid's the one that's gonna get traded. That's kind of why I led this conversation the way I did. I think that Philly may use this time, whether he plays good or bad, to be like, if he plays good, they may be like, hey, we may be able to get a real haul for this guy. And we could really retool, maybe get a high draft pick, maybe get a, a player who makes way more sense next to him, next Philly, to Simmons. Philly has played well without, like you said, they've played well without Embiid. Embiid's injury. Yeah, exactly. This is, the roster is already built. To play with Ben Simmons, more or less, and B's really the only guy that doesn't fit. Yeah, so, it's really weird. right. So you feel like I mean, you trade Embiid for another piece that fits with Ben Simmons. Well, you might you might be cooking with gas. Yeah, it has to be another superstar. I mean, Miami seems like the ideal fit for for Embiid. Yeah. Do you get back Bam Adebayo and those those young cats? I don't know if you're getting back Bam. But I got to get back Bam for Bet Joel and B. Who am I getting besides Bam Adebayo? I think you're getting all the shooters. No, no. Joel and B's a, a perennial All Star center. I'm getting the All Star back. There's no way you're giving me Hero and Duncan Robinson and picks. That's not working for Joel and B. Kendrick Nunn. <laughs> I like Kendrick Nunn. I'm not getting a guy who was in G League two years ago and trading him for Joel Embiid. I'm not getting that back with Joel Embiid. He was, he's a franchise player. You got to get a star back. I'm getting Bam. That's to me. I, I mean, I don't know who the listener is or they, how they feel. That to me, I don't even think that's a discussion. Bam is getting traded for Joel Embiid. That's easy. My and question is, would, for Miami, would you do it? Because I wouldn't, I wouldn't trade Bam out of buyer for Embiid. Ben might be better than him. Not <laughs> that's, right now. That's a spicy perfect. take. Okay, I'm about to say. Like, ooh, that's like, a spicy take. Like he, he might be more valuable than him. I see. I see. I see he the way the, with the way him. where the league is going and Bam's skill set. He's making no money next I, year. Yeah, and the fact that his money is is nothing. Though you will have to pay him soon, and it still won't be as much as Embiid. I can see where someone thinks that he's more valuable based on what he brings to the table and what you're paying him. I don't know if I agree. I have to really think about that and sit on that. Um, but Bam, as like a point center who plays great defense, I mean, he's like a he's like a more athletic but poor man's Jokic. But if Jokic is like really defended, but that's he's a Bam is a great player. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, right. He was all over that pick, man. Oh he yeah, he, yeah, he was. He he knew he knew that was the guy he wanted from the beginning. Yeah, I he thought like, he was the second coming of Sean Kemp. I feel like Riley. Whenever he drafts, I feel like he he knows right away who he wants. Like every year. Yeah, yeah. He's kinda of like Danny Ainge in that regard. He is. I agree. I agree. I, agree. I, from the Tyler I feel like there are a lot of teams like the Knicks, I feel we never know what. <laughs> Whoever's in the front office, who they like. They don't know. They yeah. don't know so I, I will say I think Frank was the only guy I think that he was attached to the Knicks pretty much his whole the whole season. 
But besides maybe him in recent years, we don't know what we didn't know what Phil Jackson was doing. We didn't know what Steve Mills was doing. Like I don't know if they knew what they were doing. <laughs> I think, and to be fair, you know, it's just different draft styles. To be fair, I mean, when, you know, when you're in the lottery, you don't know if you're in the top two. Top two right? Yeah, you don't know. Yeah, you don't know if you're drafting one or seven. You know, especially with the way the lottery was last year. So, and that also is plays a part in it. Um, yeah, Philly man, they're interesting. They they're interesting because of this because of some of the injury. Hopefully, Ben gets back. Hopefully, we see him again. I don't know if he will, but. Bizarre injury. I mean, it didn't like anything happened, and all of a sudden he was. Yeah, it feels like it could happen to anybody. Like yeah. you just walking, like you know, you just step on your leg the wrong. You, you walk the wrong way. Yeah, and your leg, your knee just, your patella just, your kneecap just dislocates. I mean, that's that sounds so painful too. Like it sounds yeah. like the most painful thing. And you could tell, like the way he reacted, he was like, "I got to kick my leg out." You know, shake my leg out to make yeah. sure like everything's I mean, right, and he knew immediately it's not. Yeah, I mean, I've had I've had a shoulder dislocation, and that that is the most painful thing I've ever dealt with. I feel like so, dislocating a kneecap just feels sounds like like I want to die. Like I would sounds like I never want that to happen to me. Um, but uh, but yeah, hopefully Ben Simmons. It was a partial dislocation, so that's why he was able to walk off. Hopefully he'd be able to uh, to uh, recover. Kendall, uh, is there any reason that you see in this bubble to be concerned about the Lakers and Bucks? They they lost uh, both lost two in a row, I believe. Or they've lost a lot. The Lakers lost two in a row. The Bucks, I don't know if it's two in a row, but they haven't played that they well. Beat, they beat Miami that yeah, they game. Yeah, they looked like terrible the first half. Yeah. And they played without Jimmy Butler, Miami. That they game. lost to the Nets. Um, I look, I mean, the Lakers, I'd be concerned about. The Bucks, I mean, I guess you could be concerned about. I, the parity is, is real. And we talked about this beforehand. But the parity is real in this bubble. And so, I guess in theory, yes, both teams should be concerned if their ultimate goal is to get out of is the ultimate goal is to get to the conference, get to the finals rather. Uh, when you look at the Lakers, I think if you're the Lakers and you're if, you, if your fear is round one, the only team you should be worried about is Portland. The rest of them it doesn't matter. Whether and we'll I guess we'll talk about the rest of those teams eventually, but you know Phoenix, Memphis, New Orleans, Sacramento, San Antonio. You could care less about just as long as Portland isn't in in, in that a spot. Okay, so let's let's move. I agree with that. Fine. So let's let's before we we'll go to the eight teams later. But let's move. We both agree on that. Let's move past the eight teams. Right. What about the second round or the conference finals? Like right, you get to the second round. Now you're talking about um, Utah potentially, OKC, a team that beat the Lakers uh, pretty handily. Um, I, I mean, look, I think. Again, OKC seems like a team that the Lakers shouldn't be pretty worried about, although they did lose to them. Utah, it doesn't seem like a team they should be worried about. I think the teams you should be worried about particularly are the Clippers, um, Denver, and Houston. And and I think Dallas, depending on the matchup. But I think they could lose to any of those teams. And again, I think Portland. I think Portland seems like a tougher matchup for the Lakers than even Utah would be. Because Damian what, Lillard, did, what did I tell you about Portland? Yeah, who's guarding Damian Lillard in that matchup? That's what I told you. <laughs> Yo, I, we had this conversation. I tweeted this yeah. probably at three times. We had yeah, this conversation yeah, you, about four or five months ago. Yeah, you probably told me this. And like, on this yeah, show, yeah. and I said, I said, look, like, you know, the Lakers are a great team, but, like, what happens if they have to deal with a team like Portland? You were like, who the hell is Melo guarding? And I was like, I don't know. But <laughs> I don't know. I was like, I don't know who's guarding Damian Lillard. And you still thought I was nuts. You thought yeah. I was completely insane. 
Yeah, and to see everybody jump on this hot take that I was on like five months ago is crazy. Yeah, man. And look, I'll, I'll go, I'll go even, I'll go even farther back with the EJ Portland hot take. You, we did a, we did a, a draft video two, three years ago on our draft sleeper. You had Gary Trent on the list, man. Look at Gary Trent out here balling. I love him. Kids balling. He's, like someone say he's Tyler Hero if he could play defense. Exactly. I love him. I love the guy. And he was not that kind of defender in college. No, he's strong. He's always been strong. Yeah, but, but not that kind of, Like, I mean, he plays some defense, and he could shoot. He's a big shot maker. He's not afraid. I can't believe – wherever he got drafted, I can't believe he stayed on the draft with That was ridiculous. You second round. I don't yeah, know anybody tough. who watches basketball couldn't see that guy could be a, a really good role player. I, don't, I didn't get it. Yeah, and he's – we talked about it. In one of our summer league videos, we talked about it. That uh, we talked, I think we probably talked about it after that draft. That Simons and, and Trent playing with Lillard and McCollum was always going to give them an extra bit of dog, and yeah, we're going to make those guys play off ready. And we've seen it certainly with Gary Trent, and we are, we've always known he can shoot the lights out of the ball. So uh, he's he's been an excellent fit for this team. And again, you know, I had to give you your your, your props on that one. But no, I think the Lakers, the point guard position is just a massive concern, man. I mean, they're not, they don't, who's, again, who's guarding any of these guys? Um, when we saw Chris Paul tear him alive, Quinn Cook looks like a mess. Like, I, I don't know what they're doing with this position. LeBron is, yeah, Quinn, Quinn Cook can't get any, he can't get any minutes in a real They tried game. to give him some minutes and he looked, yeah, no, they can't do that anymore. They, that's scary because they don't have Rondo. <laughs> I mean, maybe they get Rondo back at some point, but I don't think it'll be in the first round. So, yeah, I don't know. I mean, that that's the concern. Um, but I feel like if it's any other matchup, I mean, I guess you could you, you could say the same thing about the Grizzlies, but Ja's not nearly as dangerous as Lillard. As crazy as that sounds, because Morant is, is very dangerous himself. Uh, and they don't have enough outside of Morant when, without Jaron Jackson. Yeah, Jaron Jackson gone. That, that was the end of their season. You know? Right. Maybe... They hold on to the A spot if they're able to um, find a way to uh, stay in the eight and don't have to win one game. Yeah, they can get it because it's only one game. But their position where they get nine, I, they're not beating anybody who gets that spot twice in a row. <laughs> no way. I, I, I'm pretty sure it'd be Portland. But um, the Bucks, on the other hand, they're not. I mean, obviously, they have nothing to worry about with the first round, but. A matchup against Miami in the second round is not going to be easy. It's not going to be an easy matchup. I mean, if Jimmy Butler plays in that game yesterday, he'd probably lose that game yesterday um, against Miami. So, without without having and the fear with the fear with Milwaukee is that they don't have many go to options offensively. It's only Giannis and Middleton. And Middleton's not really a get me a bucket kind of guy. He he kind of scores throughout the flow of the game. Yeah, he can get hot, but he more more or less goes to score as a Celtics. I mean, I say that, and, and then he'll drop thirty on the Celtics next time he plays, like he always does. But, um, but he's definitely more of you got to dress up up for him to get him off, like kind right. of guy. He's not like just giving the ball or just, and he'll 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 get thirty, you know? Right. So. And in Miami, look, 
they're they're they, the way they've played in this bubble has been scary. The way they've shot the basketball, Duncan Robinson right now is by far the best shooter in the bubble. Um, Tyler Hero has played well in these 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 regular season games. Um, obviously, you got Jimmy and Bam Adebayo. Jay Crowder has played well in the bubble. Dragic has played well in the bubble. I would be worried about Miami. Now, I'm not saying they're going to beat Milwaukee in a seven-game series, but certainly not an easy matchup for them. And then past that, you still have to you still have to face either Toronto or Boston, and that wouldn't be an easy matchup as well. Now, again, we're assuming that Miami gets past Philly or uh, Indiana, but it's it just feels like Milwaukee. This isn't a guarantee. What Giannis would really, if Giannis gets to the finals, he he earned it. I'll I'll say that much. Yeah, I feel like I I hate to change my picks in the middle of a season. I don't think Milwaukee's getting out of these. Wow. I think I think I'm out on them. I hate their offense. Like, I feel like I'm watching the same team from last year. Like, the game gets in the half court, and you play against a really disciplined team that has the right kind of body to man up against Giannis, and to have those guys digging in and helping and being able to get out to back out to those shooters. And I don't look. Bud is a great offensive coach, but I feel like, in some ways, they're too. They're almost. And I'm saying about team that won like fifty a million games, but in some ways, I feel like they're almost too married to playing only one style of play. Like I wish they would move Giannis in different parts of the court. I know post ups, you know, are the bane of existence of modern basketball. But I don't feel like maybe he could do more damage in some more post up or short post situations. And no, I don't know how much they're getting out of him bringing the ball off the court as much as they do. And, and against the good teams, you know, the terrible teams, yeah, he could just bulldozer his way and, and all hell breaks loose if you have to double and then he gets a kick out. But against a, a Miami, against uh, Toronto, that ain't work. That's not going to work. I, I'm going to just say that. That's not going to They're going to lose to those teams playing that way. They're, they yeah. need, they need, but they, there's, to me, there's no way they can. I don't think they can fix that. I think that I think that's how they are. But you're right. I think you hit every nail on the head with what their issues are. Besides Middleton, who's again, he's a great player, and I love Middleton, but he, he's a interesting kind of scorer. In, in some ways, he has the offensive capabilities and scoring level of a true number two, but his game is almost like a number three. If that makes sense to you, you know what I'm saying? I don't right. know if that makes sense to the, the listener. Like. He's able to get 50. Like he's that, he's, he can shoot that well. He's that good. But, like, in terms of in the, in the perfect world, based on where he likes to get his shots and how he plays, he'd actually be probably better suited as a third option and maybe your first option on the second quarter playing against the reserves. When he's your second option and Giannis is off the court and you're running everything through him and teams are able to load up on him, He's not like James Harden, but he can just knife his way through a million guys and still get his shot. And he's not the greatest, like, distributor. And no one else on the court can get their own shot. No one. They have no one else on the team. I, they're not beating Toronto like that. I don't think they're beating Miami like that. DiVincenzo's look good. I, I he's, like looked, he's looked okay. I mean, I've seen some. He has in spots looked good. Am I trusting him in a playoff series against That's the problem. a Miami, a Boston, a... Uh, uh, you know, he's the starting point guard right now. 
<laughs> and it's not a diss to him because he's a good young player. He's only in the second year. But yeah. again, we're talking about big boy basketball, and yeah. I don't, I don't know. I, 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 they've been the most disappointing team I've watched so far this bubble. Like I can't believe they still look like this. I really thought at the, and it's funny because you watch them during the regular season, they kind of were playing the same way, but they were killing everybody. So like it's hard to really diss it. You're like, all right, well maybe you know, you're more experienced, more wiser, they'll be fine. But now I'm watching in the bubble, and you know teams have gotten to watch four months of film of what the Bucks are doing, and when again these games get nip and tuck, and I'm seeing what they're doing in late game situations, and they're doing the same thing, I'm like, oh, this ain't gonna work. This this is this is not gonna work. And geez, I hope I'm wrong, but well, I don't know. I hope I mean I don't. I'm not rooting for them, but for their sake, I hope I'm wrong. But I, 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 I think they're going to have a lot of trouble in the second round with a team like Miami. I think they're not the favorites in the series against Toronto. I think Toronto is way more offensively diverse. Toronto's an excellent defensive team. Toronto's comfortable playing against the Bucks and how they play. I think that's a horrendous matchup. I'm not saying they're going to get swept. It's going to be a seven-game dogfight for a team that was far on the way to number one seed, you would think that they should be able to get to the finals in more of a simpler fashion. I don't think that's going to be the case for this team. I could look crazy in three weeks and they kill everybody, but and you don't want to overreact to one week of basketball, but I just, I'm seeing this, the same patterns I saw when they lost four in a row last year to the Raptors. It was, it's the same thing. And I'm just like, they haven't figured that out yet of where they're getting their offense from when teams load up on Giannis in the fourth quarter and half-court situations. Like that—that that doesn't make sense to me. I don't feel uh, particularly great right now about the Celtics. Um, I don't either. I know a lot of people have been. Some people have been high on them. Some people—it's been a mixed bag in terms of what the media has said. But um, it's tough. I can't really. I, it's hard to really get a feel until we see Kemba play full minutes. Exactly. Um, he, he's played well. I think in the in the limited minutes he's played. We've lost some games. I mean, the the we've lost some games in tight games where he didn't play. We've gotten, you know, we've lost games where, um, I mean, the Milwaukee game we could have won. I would argue we should have won if they didn't, uh, if the refs didn't. Uh, that was an awful call with that Marcus Smart joint. Um, and then the, the last three minute report, the last two minute report, they said it should have been a a charge, but yet they still find Smart for blasting the refs. Which to me is grotesque, but that's a whole other conversation. But to me, it's just rig- ridiculous that you'll find a guy for. But he, out I guess because but he insinuated he insinuated that it was kind of fixed. You gotta find him for that. Yeah, I mean, yeah, that's where to find him. Not from the, not from you were wrong. You're just like, oh, the league ain't trying to see Giannis file out of a prime yeah. time game. Nah, you're gonna you're gonna give us some bread for that. We're gonna we're gonna take some of that bread. And then the next game they go and they file him out and like. They found out in 15 minutes played. I mean, just discussing stuff from the referees. But regardless, um, but yeah, no, I mean, I haven't been overly impressed. I mean, Tatum has, he had his one bad game against Milwaukee, but he's, for the most part, it's been Tatum. Browns, I think, look well, but there's still just some massive issues with this team, man. The backup point guard spot with Brad Wanamaker is just going to need, it needs to be upgraded. And I guess maybe that those minutes mostly would go to Kemba, so maybe I shouldn't be too too concerned. But 
I still feel like, man, they, they're missing another guard. And the big spot, Tyson's played decent, but against some of these teams, I'm just worried that where are you getting your production from the big man spot, offensively and defensively? Yeah, when I watch... I guess it's Cantor, but anytime Cantor's out there, you can't guard anybody. So, I don't know. Those are my concerns. Yeah, when I watch Wanamaker out there, I'm just like, this is not going to work. Who is supposed to be in this spot? It shouldn't be him. I'm like, oh, Terry Rozier. That's who that was. Yeah, and he was pretty good. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, he was, you know, he was erratic, and, you know, he could be a little bit of a character, but, you know, Terry Rozier was a threat. And he could he could really light it up in certain games, and he could start in a pinch. Wanamaker, you know, great story, getting himself through the league, sticking the way he has. But, again, you see him playing these extended minutes, and I'm just like, this guy's not supposed to be playing these minutes. This is, not, this is like a spot third point guard where he can play because, you know, he plays some defense. He can get a shot every now and then. But, like, he's just a spot third point guard that plays maybe six, seven minutes with the right lineup. And even when Kemba comes back, I mean, he's their backup point guard. He's going to play a lot of minutes. And I'm just like, this, he shouldn't be out there. And like not not enough there's not there's not enough Brad Stevens magic to erase that like there's like, he is who he is you know yeah yeah he's he's a journeyman he's a right. guy played played like twenty teams over in Europe not much you could do. <laughs> you think there's not much you could do with that but the issue is that like they they drafted Langford and Carson Edwards kind of hoping one of them would be able to play in the playoffs and neither one can so they are stuck with Wanamaker. And Carson that, Edwards, man, he looks like a disaster every time I see him. He, he, yeah, yeah. I mean, I watched that uh, on who they were playing recently. That's the net game. I'm rooting for Carson Edwards because he was one of my favorites at the, at the summer league last year. What happened to him? I um, well, great he's question. Playing, he's not playing on the ball. Which and I saw happen. I saw Jeff Van Gundy was trying to like give some kind of like he was trying to di- diagnose his game during that broadcast. I don't know if you heard. He right. seemed to think that it was. It, he seemed to suggest that being five eleven and seeing the length and speed of NBA defenders has given him problems and it's going to take him time to adjust. Which I'd agree with that. It very well could be possible. Like, part of me is like, yo, this guy was hitting ridiculous shots in college. I know it's college, right. but like the, I mean, the degree of difficulty never seemed, to be, never seemed to be his issue. His issue seemed to be DeAndre shot selection, Hunter, if anything. He put DeAndre Hunter on him and he had no issue. Right. Like, I, I've seen him hit shots just, re- again, absurd level of difficulty again it wasn't his issue to me never was the degree of difficulty of making the shots above with good defense it was usually shot selection it was like i know you could probably make that but that's probably not the best shot there that he can't make any shots right now like he, right. it doesn't matter what kind of shot he's taking when he's he hit the three you kind of feel like he was lucky yeah like oh my god he hit one and i don't know part of me makes me feel like maybe it is more mental yeah, I think I it's confidence a lot of it yeah like, I, 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 the way when he walks on the court you know head the body language is not the, not good yeah, yeah, when I watched him in, in in Vegas, he looked he looked like the most confident guy on the court. Yeah, he didn't look that like that when I watched him. And that's unfortunate because I think he can play, and I think he will figure this out. I don't know if it's in Boston, but you're right. That's the kind of guy that I think that they hoped as a second, right. potential second round steal. He's playing playoff minutes, just like the way Grant Williams is playing playoff minutes as a first round kind of steal. Right. They don't have that with Carson Edwards. Um, the other kid is too small. Waters. Yeah. Yeah. So. Good, but not enough to outplay. He's not. You're not gaining anything by not playing Wanamaker over him. Yeah, so. you lose. You lose defensive. <laughs> you know, you lose right. Defensive. So you might as well just play Wanamaker. So that that's a problem for them. I think 
Boston right now, I'm not really that high on because I feel like what we've seen to me is Kemba is the difference. And I don't know what Kemba, I don't know how he's going to be when this all starts up, the playoffs. Yeah. And without knowing that, I can't. I can't. Explosive. I, also, I just think, you know, Tatum and Brown are so inconsistent sometimes. And which is weird to say because they're, you know, they're averaging 20. Yeah, they're all stars. Yeah, they're all stars. <laughs> the way they've played, like they've, but like, it does feel like sometimes it's either or. And sometimes they have those games where they're both great and we win and, and things are great. You talk about how great they are, but they're, I mean, we saw in the Milwaukee game, Tatum just didn't have it. And there are games where Tatum just doesn't have it or there are games where Brown doesn't have it. And right now in the postseason, really in this entire bubble, you really can't have any games where either one of them doesn't have it. Unless Kemba no. is back. And, that, and that's, where you, that's where you get to the conversation. Kemba's the wild card. Because Kemba, you think, is going to be consistent. But I don't know. I mean, the East is going to be up for grabs. Um, I think there are five teams that can win it. Four teams. Yeah. Uh, so you're, you're going to say Milwaukee, Toronto, Miami, Boston? Kemba? Your four yeah. teams? That sounds about right. Yeah, I don't know who else. Uh, look, Bubble Jordan is is, is is very entertaining, but I don't think Indiana's going to the finals. Um, I, Philly's, not, done, Philly's, not, uh, done, uh, Philly's done without Simmons. They're not coming out of the East. Yeah. And I think even if he comes back, Simmons coming back what from a, like? yeah. Simmons have a knee dislocation. The chemistry is all off. They're, they're not coming out this year. This season is kind of a wash in that regard. Uh, in the West, and you know, you saw. I look. I I feel weird now that everybody's jumping on this like Blazers bandwagon. Like I, that kind of scares me. You know, I don't. I, I almost never get any kind of. I don't say any, but I, I don't. I usually don't quote this guy very often for my own sports advice. But I do kind of agree with the skip Bayless model of like the runaway underdog right and how that motivates the favorite i feel like the blazers if they somehow get that a spot are kind of becoming the runaway underdog and i think that that kind of scares me now because the idea before was just that like everything you said like mellow can't guard nobody and you know who's stopping ad lillard always chokes in the yeah, playoffs. and lillard okay he can score 50 but they still gonna lose and all that is, is all fair. And I thought that the Lakers, hopefully, okay, now you're kind of taking it easy. Maybe you're not taking them seriously. And, oh, snap, you lose game one. And, oh, snap, you know, you lose game three or four. And now it's best of three. And at that point, anything can happen. You know what I'm saying? In this situation, the Lakers' eyes are all wide open because everybody's saying that the Blazers could beat them. Uh, but even moving beyond the first round, because, again, I, those other teams have no chance. The, the Lakers I'm not as concerned about. The point guard situation is, is a is a problem because um, Kim he can't be playing those kind of minutes. Caruso is kind of like he's like a better Wanamaker. Like to me, like like yeah, he should, he could play like the Wanamaker minutes that the minutes that Wanamaker usually gets when Kemba's out there, but he shouldn't get more than that. And now he's having to play way more than that. And he's actually a pretty good defender. I don't want him guarding Dame Lillard, but he he's actually that's probably the best thing he he does for them. But he just doesn't bring you enough. Offensive punch as a to me as a spot up shooter or playmaker to get as many minutes as he's having to play. Um, that's the problem with the Lakers though is I, I have less confidence in these other teams being able to beat them than I do in the East. Like if I had to say okay, if not the Lakers, then who? All right, Dallas. Their fourth quarter execution is a mess. Um, I don't. 
again, similar to Milwaukee. You, if you would thought four months off, they could have figured this out. They haven't. They they can't execute in the fourth quarter, so they they aren't going to win. And I don't, I don't. I know they've been like a, a you know they've been one of your picks to maybe go far. I don't think they have any chance to go far in the playoffs. I think they're a first round exit with the way they execute in the fourth quarter. Um, okay, yeah. Denver. When am I going to see Jamal Murray? I I don't know that what he looks like. Michael Porter looks like a superstar right now, but okay, what does he look like with Murray and, and the the guards back playing the normal minutes that they play? Um, and even with their staff, their squad fully healthy, I don't, I don't, I just don't. I just feel like if I look on on the other side and I feel like the Lakers got two guys that are going to outplay your best player, I don't like my chances. You know what I'm saying? Like I feel like that's why I always talk about the the Portland thing because I feel like. Lillard could outplay both of those guys. It's possible. I'm not saying he would. I'm saying it's possible in a seven-game series, four times he outplays the, those guys. They win all the games, and you win the series. I, there's no way, to me, Jokic is outplaying both LeBron and AD four times. And that's not, again, that's not a diss to Jokic because Jokic is all-world. But those, both of them being on the same team just makes everything different and makes the, the, the challenge to beat them different. Um... Okay, Houston, a little more interesting, given Harden and Westbrook. Uh, I know Westbrook sat the last game that they that they beat the, the Lakers, but Harden looks like he's in like mid-season form. He looks fantastic, and I actually I've always made the case that Harden I think runs out. Of, well, I don't think I, I think we all know he runs out of gas in playoffs. People always kind of chalk it up to like him choking. I just think he runs out of gas. I think that the way he plays to do that for 82 games and then 20 more, 16 more or 20 more is just it's hard for anybody. I think yeah. now he got four yeah, months I think off. Your, your analogy with the pitchers is also a good one. Yeah, and that's the thing too. I do the same thing. So that my, for people who don't know, my analogy also with Harden is in a, a playoff series. He's almost like a pitcher who you see for the third time. You know, like a starting pitcher who maybe okay first game okay, you know he's pitched nine scoreless. Okay, the second game, you see him, you kind of know his pattern, you know what pitches he likes. Okay, you know, you start to get some some, some bats on balls. And by game seven, sometimes you think, oh, this guy, all world, he's going to go out there and throw a no-hitter, and they get shelled. You're like, how did Garrett Cole piss so poorly in a game seven or something like that? Or Hayden Kershaw after he dominated the first two games. It's like, well, you saw him now. Some of these guys are seeing him for the ninth and tenth time in a week. Like, they, as good as he is, these are the best players in the world. You're going to be able to start lining up those pitches. I think guarding Harden in some ways, I think, is similar. Okay, you know when he likes to start doing that flopping stuff. You know, as he has a million offensive moves, but again, by seven games, six games, you've seen all of them. And a lot of Harden's moves are some sort of amalgamation of a step back now. Right. <laughs> oh, yeah. He so, does a step back in a million different ways. Yeah, he has a million ways of them, but it, it, the, the move is coming. You understand, all right, he's going to dribble, dribble between the legs and then uh, step back. You know, exactly, you know, and I think when we see him struggle and you see teams seem to guard him a little better, I think it's because they, you kind of know what's coming. It doesn't mean it's easy to stop him because he's still James Harden. In the in the in the in the regular season, you're facing yeah, all yeah. these teams, and then yeah, you got him on a random night, and you haven't played Houston in a year. Yeah, he's giving you sixty. You yeah. don't, you're not ready for anything. He's, he's flopping at half court, and you're following him shooting half court threes. Like he's, you know, there's no way you're ready for that. But yeah. you sit down, you watch film non-stop you play him two or three games okay maybe you got 40 the first two games but have you watched that tape 
Now you're feeling more comfortable with what they're doing. You know where the help defense is now. Now you know where the shooters are. Like it's it's I think it, it makes them easier. So that's always a question with Harden, but I think part of it also I thought Harden ran out of gas when that defense got tougher. I don't he's think not gonna, he's not gonna run out of gas now. I don't think that is, that is a good point. I don't think Harden can or rather the Rockets can win with the small ball in the playoffs. And I, win in I what way? Like, Do you mean like they can't win around? Or you think they can't get out of the West? Like that's to me that's the difference. It's gonna be hard to win around. It's gonna be hard to win around. The way it, it, it depends on the matchup. I mean, it would almost certainly be either Utah or Oklahoma City. I mean, it's, it's done to be those teams. Denver has an outside shot of getting to two. And Houston has an outside shot of getting... No, not an outside shot. They can get to six. So there's there's that Clipper matchup, which I, I, that's a nightmare for them. They don't want to see the Clippers in the first round. But but most likely you're looking at pr- probably Oklahoma City and, and, uh, and, and uh, Utah in a 3-6 or 4-5 matchup. Regardless, they could be five and other teams can be four. But that to me is probably what's going to happen. I think they're beating both those teams. Utah has also been, I think, one of the, also one of the more unimpressive teams I've seen. Utah, to me, looks like how they always look to start a season. I tweeted this the other day. Utah yeah. always starts seasons looking ridiculous in a bad way. But they look like they, they aren't going to make the playoffs. And the, they you looked at those scrimmages. You looked at these game, first few games. They look kind of like that. Like they, Donovan Mitchell don't look engaged. They're not really scoring the ball well. Their defense is not up to snuff. They've always been a great, great second half team, or at the very least, maybe after one or two months of kind of getting the kinks out, then they're fantastic for the rest of the way. I, they, again, this is like a new season. I think they they kind of on that same thing where like you look at them, uh, their defense is not as good as it used to be, and oh, offensively, Donovan Mitchell don't look as comfortable as he should at this point in the season. It's like well, it's a, it's a new season, so this is what Utah looks like. I don't know if they can figure it out enough time to beat Houston. Didn't Houston sweep them last year? Or they? I think only they only lost one game against uh, Utah last year. So I, I don't. Th- Oklahoma City. See, that's that's the matchup that everybody wants to see. I think that is a more intriguing matchup to me. I mean, both would be tough. I mean, I think the Gobert thing is is they Houston beat them pretty handily the one time they played against Gobert with with PJ Tucker at center. They tried putting Gobert on Westbrook, and that didn't work. But uh, I don't know. But yeah, Oklahoma City would also be kind of a tough matchup, man. The, these teams, all these, all these teams that we're talking people about, talking about Dallas. Line. People are talking about Dallas being the team no one wants to play. Nobody wants to play Oklahoma City in the first round. I'll put that out there. They're the team. If you're looking at below six, you're looking at an upset. They're the team I'm looking at. Chris Paul, four months off. He looks like he's in. Great shape. At this time of the year, he looks like he's just ready to fall apart. And you're like, oh, yeah. man, I, when is he going to make it through the playoffs? And look, man, he's, 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 an older, he's at an older age. You know, it's, it, it happens to the best of us. He keeps himself in great shape, but even the best of us, when you get to that age, injuries can play a factor. He looks amazing. Um, we know Shea has been okay, but we know what Shea can do. And Gallo looks great. Uh, my guy and our guy, Lou Dort, undrafted, right. playing defense, being an athlete. Uh, uh, Diallo, an athlete off the bench, 
Steven Adams is Steven Adams. He's a grizzly bear down there. He's going to rebound. He's going to throw his weight around. They're going to be a tough out, man. Like, I feel, first of all, Billy Donovan has done a great job, but I feel like Billy Donovan plus then having Chris Paul on the court, that's like having two head coaches. Because they, they don't, when I watch them play, I don't feel like they really ever beat themselves. They don't play stupid. They don't take bad shots. They don't seem to be defensively, like, completely not knowing where they are. And, and they always seem to be kind of solid. Those teams are dangerous. When you know a team is going to play at a certain level and you, can, you can't just pencil, okay, one of these nights they're going to just be a mess and we could blow them out. I think, I think they're going to be a really tough matchup for everybody. Because they can shoot. Uh, they have penetrators. And they have the smallest guy on the court every time they play. Unless they play the Lakers. Where they have a tie for the smartest guy on the court. That's a dangerous. That's a dangerous combination to me. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I mean, I, OKC. I guess my biggest issue is just um, consistent scoring. I mean, I know you have Lousy Gallo. You put the ball in the basket. They've been scoring Scott, all year. Shay, you got Schroeder. Now they've wait, been we'll scoring we'll, all we'll, year. We'll <laughs> they averaging one hundred and ten points a game. Gallo, Gallo, Chris Paul, and Shea, and uh, I think that those three, those, they're all averaging like 19 points a game. Yeah. I, the, they, they, what OKC has done this year has been the, the it, it's the version, it's, it's, it's a working version of the, I guess it was what, the 2015 or the 2016 Suns with the, the Guardians of the Galaxy with Isaiah Thomas. <laughs> That was going to be like they were going to change the league and they, they trade all those guys like by the trade deadline like <laughs> that. And it, no one's ever tried it since. OKC, okay, they tried it this year. and It worked. Having three point guards. Now, obviously, Shea is 6'6", six, six, so it makes more sense than the, having three guys that are like 6'2 and under. But um, but it, it's still still very fascinating to see the, the three point guard system work and uh, it'd be, be so effective, but I don't know. These teams in the West are tough. I know they're tough, but I like teams that, again, are well-coached, don't beat themselves, and, again, a guy like Chris Paul on the court in those kind of big game playoff Chris situations. Chris Paul's been a top 15 player in the league, so. Yeah, no question. Pretty, like, there are going to be times where he's going to be the best player on the floor, and it's not going to sound crazy. He was, he was against the Lakers. Yeah. And they had LeBron and AD out there. Exactly. It was one game. I'm not saying he can do that for four. But anybody who watched that game, there was zero question who the best player on the floor was for that day. It was Chris Paul. So that that's why that's scary to me. Because I look at Houston, and I'm like, we know their stars are kind of enigmatic, as great as they are. <laughs> and we know the kind of motivation Chris Paul will be had to get Houston out of here. That's a scary matchup to me. So... No, I think Houston is dangerous, but that's that's a team I don't think they want to see. I don't think anybody wants to see them. Um, so, but the problem again, the problem I have with any of these teams is all these teams got to outplay AD and LeBron four games, or at least outplay one of them at least four times, and then hope you outplay the other one in some of those games in order to win. Like it's it's a tall order, man. I I know their point guard situation is a mess. I'm still not sold on their like role players. Like I, I like Danny Green shot the ball great all season. I, I, I remember how he played last year in the finals, and I still don't know what we're gonna see from him. I don't believe in KCP. Waiters looks good. 
I don't know how you feel about waiters. I feel like he looks. I, I have no stats in front of me. I'm just going on pure eye test. But I, I expected him to look worse. He looks solid. You know what I'm saying? He looks like a guy who can get his own shot. He's, Dion? You know, yeah, yeah. Dion, yeah. I mean. JR doesn't really look like he's ready to play right now. I don't know if he will be. Yeah, I mean, they, they're both. I think, look, I think both of those guys are going to be good for one game in the, in the, in the playoff. We're going to have Dion, Dion Waiters podium game. Whatever that podium looks like in the post. Yeah, yeah, they're good for one or two podium games. I I can't imagine if they're relying on Deion Waiters to be a consistent podium game guy. Then then I oh don't no know. no no I don't think he can be that. I'm just saying in terms of being like the seventh eighth ninth guy, I think he looks again. This yeah, guy was he, he was yeah, out of, he was out of the league. So considering where he was, I'm like he looked pretty good. Yeah, he, he he's an NBA player. Um, it, it has been fascinating to see some of these guys, especially on like it's a team like the Nets, where some of these guys you find guys you're like. Man, this guy's in the NBA. Yeah, I saw somebody say, yo, Nets look like a bunch of, like, my player 2K guys. <laughs> like, some of the guys on the roster, yo, I, I saw Dante Hall. I, yo, I was like, I kept thinking about the guy who played for the Chiefs. I was like, yo, who is this guy? <laughs> where did he, did he go to Virginia? I, I forgot where Dante Hall I I still don't know. I never looked it up. <laughs> I just saw him out there. I was like, I don't know who this dude Florida, is. Florida, maybe? I'm I'm, messing, I'm I'm forgetting his uh his college the Nets, they 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 look like a TBT. Team. He was at Alabama. By the Alabama. Way. Yeah, I knew he was an SEC guy. Um, yeah, he yeah he yeah he was a Pogo State guy coming out of, coming out of college. But I don't know. I mean, I feel like the um, some of these teams they 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 they've had guys in campaigns out there in Phoenix. He balled in that one game they won. The last game they won against, I guess it was Indiana. Yeah, like fifteen points. But. Um, that's been the that's been the most fun part about this. I would I, besides seeing all like the young players play, seeing these guys that you forgot were in the league, you know, or weren't in the league. Um, yeah, guys in there just because guys opting out, teams short guys, they trying to find hoopers Trey whenever Burke. they can. That Trey person, Burke, man, he's, he's been hooping. Another thing, Philly fans were going crazy over the fact yeah. that Nick fans, him, Nick fans was kind of salty too. Yeah. Well, Trey Burke learned how to shoot a three point shot. Because with the Knicks, he could he could score, but he really wasn't a, he, he like he had no range. It was right. like his range was like at the three point line, and like even then, like he had to have a lot of space to get that shot off, and like a lot of time. Like I'm watching this guy; he's just pulling up. He's pulling up from 28 feet out. I'm like, whoa, who's this this guy? Now he he was like before I was like uh, he's who I don't need a guy who's gonna take a bunch of mid range jump shots who's six feet. But I mean, now he's taking threes and shooting at that percentage. I'm like, oh, well, you know, this is now a, you know an interesting player. You got him and Seth Curry. Dallas can score with anybody. It's just again, five minutes fourth quarter, they're gonna they're gonna fall apart. Um, Kendall, I, I got I, I, maybe I'm snitching on you here, but we gotta quickly talk about the eighth spot in the West. But you said you t- sent us in a text, fire Gentry. For what New Orleans is doing, are you ready? <laughs> are you bringing that energy to this podcast, or am I snitching? Well, on you? I have no no disrespect towards Alvin Gentry. Shout out to Alvin I Gentry. Mean, he seems like an awesome he's dude, a, and he's a great a, coach. Yeah, he's been a great I coach. For no one's job, <laughs> in no one's place of employment. No, um, no, yeah. Look, I think the Pelicans, elephant in the room. Obviously, we got to get our brother Henry on. He knows more about than yeah. we do, but it, it's a mess. It's a mess. It got so bad, EJ. You know, you know, Henry's been very much about how they're gonna make the playoffs, and Pelicans are a threat, and he loved the roster and stuff. Yeah. It's so bad that he was like, "We got to tank." He wants them to lose the game. 
like we, got, we can get he looked at the standings like we can get in the top ten of the draft. <laughs> oh like, wow, that's tough, man. Yo, Kendall, they look like a disaster. It's a mess, man. They man. look, but Kendall, like we wanted to give David Griffin a lot of credit. We gave him all the rules Yo, we could. When are we gonna ask questions about how he's handled this season? Because <laughs> this has been asked. okay, good, and I know not not to disheart you, but I know there's like ten of them. <laughs> but exactly. or at least, at least there are a lot of them, but they don't get a lot of shine. So they're they're very com- they're conversations that don't get spoken about in like the larger basketball context, which is odd because they have Zion Williamson. Be shown me quite a few Pelicans fans that have asked the question about like the cover. Griffin gonna gonna do something about this match? Well, cause, cause the, the Pelicans like the coverage of the Pelicans is so fleeting. There's only Zion, so you don't like get any criticism. It's just like. Yeah, look at Zion. Look, it's never yeah, so look at through the lens of Zion. Right. So for a team that's very visible, I don't know what anybody really thinks of them in like a really critical level because nobody thinks that it's only it's Zion and like a hint of Lonzo. Yeah, <laughs> it's, yeah, it's, it's very fleeting. Um, yeah, no, this is a disaster. Like we need to call this like it is, and I'm not gonna just put this on Gentry. Like the there are a lot the, of the way they have handled this entire season has been a disaster. There's no. I don't think. I don't think that this. That's hyperbole. I think disaster is the right word. I think up until look, I thought they handled the initial Zion thing well. He came back. Really? He like he was fine. I mean, he was playing great basketball. He probably shouldn't play more. I guess. Right, probably. but he he was still not in the greatest shape. You need to get him in shape, and you're like you're gonna play him 20 minutes and never play him more minutes than that. Then that's, you go on. Then then you have a pandemic. He comes back. Zion looks how he looks. I'm not going to get into how he looks. I'm not. There's, well, first of all, there's a the picture it. where he looks all ripped and shredded. So you're like, oh, wow. They keep talking about, I mean, Henry, right. all bubble, all, all pandemic has told me, oh, yeah, look, Zion's doing, been doing all these different workouts. And, <laughs> he's been Yo, I, I really love how Henry and the Pelican fans, they, they, are, they are, I love how they're so invested in, like, this team. Because, like, again, the way we look at them is just very fleeting. So like they they like he knows like the Zion's workouts and what he's doing. Like I don't know any of this. I just saw a picture. I was like, yo, Zion looks ripped, and that was like the all I thought about it. Right, and 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 it's funny because when the picture came out, and he was like, yeah, of course, of course, Zion's in shape. <laughs> They've gotten in shape. They've been talking about this for weeks. But so there was the infamous picture, and so at that point, you're like, oh man, like this Pelicans game is gonna be tough to beat. And he has a situation. He first he gets hurt. In the bubble, he has some sort of calf issue or whatever, some something flare up, and so we're like, okay, here we go then, again. Then he leaves the bubble for an emergency. He comes back about ten days later, and that's when I think things like, things were just completely botched. Personally, I think there were I, other. This issues. has been botched from the beginning. I think you're giving David Griffin way too much leeway here. Now, all of what you said was true. Um, the timeline. But I'm. But I think that all of this started with them babying Zion and treating him not like a professional athlete. And it is a lot of this started with. I think the way that roster con- is constructed is weird. I there's not a lot I like about what's happening in New Orleans. They were supposed to be the feel good team. I look at them now and I'm like, this is a mess. I mean, the point guard situation doesn't seem to make any sense. With Holiday and Lonzo, um, it doesn't seem like again Zion looks the way he looks. They've gone a full season, and it doesn't. Yeah, he's been appear- under your control. Yeah, he's been I under control for a year, literally a year. More, uh, 
what is it? We're in August now. Yeah, more than a year now. He's been under contract with you guys, and this is how he looks in a year. Yeah, he um, looks no better than he did in the summer league. Yeah, he looks worse. He looks yeah. worse. Let's keep it a hundred. He looks worse. So your your team, the way you guys, the defense that you guys play is is embarrassing even for this NBA. Like, yeah. it, it's just ridiculous and, the level that how non competitive you guys are on defensive. And elephant in the room. Why are they playing this awful defense? Their backcourt, their guards are are great Un- unbelievable defenders. defenders. Right. Zion is the worst defender in the starting lineup. Well, if he was in, but he looks how he looks a year later. So this is why yeah. the defense looks the way it looks when he's out there. Zion's been an awful rebounder and an awful defender since he's been in the league, and that's but particularly in the bubble. And that's that's unfortunate because as a prospect, he was he was a great rebounder, and a great defender because he was in better shape. Yeah, I don't, I don't I don't like what's happening, man. I think that we gotta. I mean, so, I'm sure they got a million draft picks, so there's that yeah. excitement. I'm not gonna say that. I think I'm just saying I think Griffin since Griffin made that trade. I don't like anything he's done. I don't well, like I don't like anything he said. Zion, this is Drew Holiday team. He's saying ridiculous stuff. That, that was the first. That they're was the doing first ridiculous time. stuff. I texted you like we were watching that press conference. Me and Henry, I texted you like this is this is a joke. They're not running the, their team like an NBA team. They're, yeah, they're not and. Funny, like it's like some sort of like, like, it's a, like yeah, like it's some ex, like it's like they were playing in like the the CYO like, league, yeah, like AAU. Yeah, this isn't a real NBA team. Not no nothing they've done in public, and apparently a lot of what they've done and haven't done in private because we're again we see Zion the way he looks in in a year has said to me this is an NBA franchise, and I've watched David Griffin for a year make excuse after excuse after excuse for why the product looks the way it looks on the floor. Why, when they're able to win games to make the playoffs, Zion's on the bench. Then when he's playing, he's not in the right conditioning to be at his best. And then he gets hurt because he's not in the right conditioning. It's like, come on. I, again, I'm only keeping it 100 on this show. I only keep it 100 on this podcast whenever I do this show. You can't look at this situation a year after that trade and signing, trading, and then uh, acquiring Zion Williamson in the draft. And tell me that this has been handled well. This has been a complete disaster. Now, it doesn't mean because they're set up where you have a franchise caliber cornerstone, you have the draft picks, you have the capital in the way you get Brandon Ingram. Yeah, it doesn't mean you have Brandon Ingram, who we know is a good, uh, is a very good player, all star. I'm not saying that, oh, it means like like you fired David Griffin tomorrow. It doesn't mean they can't even get out of this. I'm saying this season was a mess. That's that to me is that is indisputable. Now, what happens next year? What happens this offseason? They can figure stuff out. But we can't have any more of this with Baby and Zion Williams. And I'm not. And I want to make it clear. I'm not talking about him leaving the bubble. That's he had to handle personal business. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm I'm saying the fact that he went into the bubble at a certain point, and then that allows us to be where we are. The fact that you've covered, you handled him the way you've handled him all year. Babying him, not letting him play certain minutes, losing games you could win because you're afraid of some mysterious injury is going to happen. But in doing so, you're not getting him in the shape to avoid those injuries. It's 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 a it's not a good situation. David Griffin, I, I, I give him a D if I was grading him this year. I think he's been horrendous. <laughs> like I really do. Like I'm, like I'm not. I'm, I really think that like for a guy who 
he got a lot of praise, and he he did some wheeling and dealing this this offseason. There's no question about that. But right. he'll spend a lot of time in the media, so. Yeah, yeah but I feel like, they, yeah, the media, <laughs> they like him. So that was part of the coverage. And I don't hear anyone talking about what the, what the Pelicans have done this year. Same people that were talking about how great they were. Yeah, it, the, the, again, and it all, again, I still think my biggest issue with Griffin, it, and a lot of some of this goes back to that, is that initial comment of this is not Zion's team, this is Drew Holiday's team, we're going to take it very, very slow with Zion. If, he's not ta- if you're not taking it that seriously with the urgency of making Zion the franchise player, why the hell would he? That sends a horrible message. If yeah. if you're t- if I'm the all world superstar player, number one pick in the draft, I'm the best player coming out of college in I don't know how many years. I'm coming into a team that lost a zillion games last year with AD, and you're telling me, man, you're not really the guy though. You're just one of the guys on the team. Yeah, just blend in. Wh- why would I try to stand out? And why would I look at the way he like you said carries himself? There's no disrespect to Zion. But he carries himself not like he's the man. He carries himself like he just he's just another guy on the team. And now look, his talent is too great. His talent is too great. He still stands out. He's still the best. But again, we talk about being the right conditioning, the injuries, uh, the inability to win games when he's not out there. Him being seemingly okay with just not playing in big games or not playing in close games. I want to yeah. see Zion and say, "Yo, what what's going on?" One time, I know we kind of you know. Remember, some people want to get on Joel Embiid when he when they were doing that with him. You say, "Oh, you know, you should keep that in house." I no, I like that he's like, "I want to play." What the, what's going on? Stop babying me. I'm trying to win games. I want to show that I'm the man here. And yeah. Zion, I think he has a personality. Where I think you do have to kind of push that in him a little bit. You know, I don't think I think Joel. I don't think you got to push him. I think Joel was like that. I think Zion, you got to tell him, "Yo, you're the man. Show everybody that you're the baddest guy on the court because you are." And it's They're telling them you're just another guy. A good fit because Barrett was like Barrett wanted, wanted right. wants to be the Barrett man. thinks he's Barrett. that guy any anytime he's on the court. So exactly. Yeah. So the fact that Zion really wasn't the alpha personality on that team made it an excellent combination because it made both of them very comfortable. He didn't have to be the alpha because they had RJ Barrett. RJ Barrett needs to be the alpha. So it was an excellent fit, and Cam Reddish kind of got lost in the shuffle, which is its own mess. But. Um, and look, maybe that's something the Pelicans are going to have to maybe find a similar guy around the league that would be a good fit to play with Zion. I don't know if it's Brandon Ingram, and maybe maybe Brandon Ingram could say. But the thing is, they need a, they need someone else. That's that's what I've discovered is that they need a third guy. Could be somebody better than Zion and Ingram. Could be somebody worse than them. But Drew they Holiday is damn good. Drew Holiday's good. Yes, um, they need to blow it up. And again, I agree with that. I'm just saying they have they have guys. It's just they don't make that the roster doesn't make sense. That 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 uh, misperception that he's the man when he shouldn't be. And ideally, you want it to be like what the Celtics have with Kemba and Tatum, where like Kemba kind of lets Tatum be the guy. We know Tatum, we know Kemba's the guy, but like Tatum. Is is probably the best player on the team, and we know will be the best player on the team if not if not now in the near near future. So and so it's a very it's not really much of a struggle, and I don't think it's much of a struggle for Drew Holiday and Zion, but it feels like the Pelicans are forcing Drew Holiday to be the guy, and and and, and now it's Ingram. But I don't know. I just the 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 Zion being out of shape is the biggest problem with this team. 
Um, Avery, Avery Gentry, uh, Alvin Gentry, rather, is is a great offensive coach. He's never been mistaken for Tom Thibodeau or some excellent defensive guru. He's not Red Auerbach, but I feel like they, they definitely need a change of voice in the locker room. Um, I, Alvin Gentry earned his, his – I think he, he deserved a chance to coach his team. But the job he's done in the bubble has been, has been terrible. Only guy who's been worse than him is Luke Walton. Or rather, I can't say worse than him because Luke Walton destroyed him with less talent. So <laughs> the only other guy that's been just as bad, I would say, is Luke Walton. But um, but then Luke Walton follows it up with a loss to uh, Brooklyn by double digits. So yeah. <laughs> vintage Kings. But Luke Walton, like he's trying to get out of Sacramento. <laughs> it's not that, New Orleans so bad. He's like, damn, <laughs> y'all, y'all so bad. <laughs> I can't even lose to y'all. <laughs> I can't even lose to you guys. Damn, I'm trying to get out of here. <laughs> Y'all are messing around. Y'all supposed to try to make the playoffs. I don't know, man. This is like, I I think I think New Orleans needs to move on from Alvin Gentry, and I think they need to blow up the roster. I agree. I think everybody should be available except for Zion Williamson, and that's including Brandon Ingram to me. Wow. Yeah, because I I, think, I also have come to the conclusion that I, I think that Ingram and Williamson are a terrible fit. Every time I see them on the floor together, I'm like, this doesn't make sense. Ingram is super one-on-one oriented ball dominant yeah ball dominant and i almost feel like ingram to to be honest ingram would almost make more sense with like milwaukee and then maybe even in middleton with new orleans because like milwaukee could use a guy that could get his own shot the way he gets his own shot but just not as many times as ingram is shooting in new orleans the problem is that ingram and Giannis might present a similar issue to to Zion. But I think the problem with Zion is... Ingram has to create the spacing for Giannis. But I think the problem with Zion is... Like, Giannis is a pure number one option kind of scorer. Zion's like a weird player where he's not, like, bringing the ball to court, getting his own shot, distributing for everybody... Right, it's he a scores different, off of d- dirty words. Yeah, it's it's a weird. He gets a weird twenty five, thirty points when he gets those kind of <laughs> points. It's not it's not the same. Right. Um, that, but like it gets in the way of Ingram because then okay, now Ingram has to be that number one kind of guy, and I don't know if he's he's extremely talented, but I don't know if he's ready for that. Maybe he'll be by next year. I don't know, but he ain't ready for that now. Every time I watch him, I'm like I, they're getting close games. It's late. I'm like, what? He's not getting you a good shot, and he never does. I feel like the defense is able to key in on him. He's, again, a really good player, but he's still really young. Yeah. To me, they Zion. would be better off with a guy who's more of a uh, of a of a steady scorer, a guy who maybe doesn't need as much one-on-one. They could play more team basketball. And that will allow, <laughs> playing more team basketball, I think, will allow Zion to get more shots and be more explosive than him just standing around waiting for Ingram to maybe pass him the ball when he ain't really passing because he's always looking to score. They can't get Coach K to coach his team, right? Um, no, I don't think so. I don't think he'll, I don't think he'll coach in the NBA, but I feel like this is one of the jobs that he would consider. he consider it, but he's not leaving Duke to coach the New Orleans Pelicans. I know it's Zion Williamson, but he's not even doing that. <laughs> when he thought about leaving, it was like the Lakers, really, really the only place seriously. I know he said there are a couple of teams he got close with. We never know who they are. He won't mention them. But uh, that were besides the Lakers, like he said, he, was, he almost signed with. But... They seem to be teams with super cachet. 
Right. I, I can't imagine he's leaving Duke to play, coach the New Orleans Pelicans for 82 games. I can't. I can't see him doing that. I don't care who's on the team. Um. So you got you got who you, you got Portland coming out of that eight spot? I don't know, man. I think I think I'm going with Phoenix. I nah, think Phoenix gonna win it. No, nah, I think I'm going with Phoenix. I Portland's think, not a good. They're not a good matchup for Phoenix if they played in a, in that two game series. Say Portland was eight, Phoenix was nine, or even vice versa. But they're not a good. They're not a good matchup. I don't think they'll have to play them. I think Portland. I think Phoenix may catch Portland. And if Memphis stays pat, I think Phoenix beats Portland twice. I mean, Phoenix beats Memphis twice. That that is certainly, I can certainly because Portland has a they've managed to work through a very difficult schedule, but the schedule is still very difficult. Yeah, like the fact that they've because they still. I mean, well, yeah. I mean, the next three games are against teams that are going to be in the playoffs. The last game is against Brooklyn, so that's a win, you would think, especially if you got it. You got to have it, but. They have a pretty easy schedule. I feel like I got to see the Suns schedule, but I feel like they've kind of they've beaten, I feel like, all of the teams that they would have to beat to make this interesting. The NBA was money with this format. Yeah, they got uh, the Heat. Okay, that's a tough one. Uh, they got four tough games. I don't know. I, I still, I just, I think that they're riding the hot hand of Booker. I think they figured out how dangerous they can be playing the way they're playing. I think that they're going to find a way to get in. I'm, you know, D Wade had them his his dark horse to get in. I, I'm gonna agree with him. Do you think this is gonna change anything for Booker? No, I agree. I don't think this changes anything. I think that, I, 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 think, I think he looks at this and says, "I had to play like I had to be the best player in the bubble besides you know bubble Jordan to get this team to the playoffs in a weird right. format where we didn't have to get the eighth seed." And this I think also he mess. has now a taste of what it's like to be on the biggest Yeah, team. and he's going to be like, yo, people are not talking about how great I am, which I already know. Imagine if I was at somewhere where you had more attention because of the team brand or on a winner. I don't think this would change anything if they made the playoffs. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I think Portland's going to trip up somewhere. They're playing great. And I got to give a shout-out to Melo. I, know, I, I don't know if I've done that officially on this show. I was wrong, it, man. You are you gonna give your apology? Yeah, I was wrong. I did it on Twitter already. I was wrong. Melo deserved to be in the NBA. Clearly, <laughs> I've been saying it, man. Yeah, Melo. And look, like it is kind of crazy. Every time Melo has a, makes a shot, everybody's like the haters. The haters said he would never. Yeah, I'm, I'm like, I'm like, yo, relax, man. I know Melo can make a jump shot. Relax. But I thought that to me, he wasn't all that valuable given what he brought to the table. I was wrong. I think he's playing good enough defense. He's making the clutch shots. Yeah, yeah, he's making all the clutch shots. He's he like he's making all the clutch shots. He's playing good defense. Um, Strong rebounding. He's yeah, he's he's rebounding well for his position, and he's let you know every time he he rebounds the basketball, and he's competing, and he's he's been good. There's no, you know, the numbers are the numbers. You can look at him and say, okay, you know, percentages. Still, he is what he is, but given. What I thought his weaknesses were, they're not really hurting that. And then, like, he's I, I playing like better than he played in Houston this. and Oklahoma City. I feel like the last time we talked about this, we, we illuminated why he doesn't look as bad now as maybe we thought. It's because, look, his biggest weaknesses are he doesn't defend. But right now, no one defends. So That's true, too. He blends in with this NBA. Yeah, that's very true. If you can get a bucket, like, who kind of cares if he can play defense? Yeah, because you really only got to defend for, like, two minutes. 
Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Maybe, for being kind, maybe like seven or eight in the fourth quarter. Right. And if, if it's that bad, then they'll take him out. But, like, right now, again, he's been competent defensively. But in terms of the idea of him being, like, some massive liability, I mean, there are very few players in the league that are massive liabilities defensively. Like, Isaiah Thomas is one of, like, the few guys that really can't be in the NBA because of what he provides defensively. Yeah. No, I agree. Um, but yeah, man, I got I got to give him love. I, I was the guy who said, and look again, people know me. Melo was one of my all time favorite players to ever play in the NBA. So I'm saying this as someone who, I, again, I always preface that look, I've seen Melo at the best of his career, following him every game he played for years before he was with the Knicks. I know what Melo looks like and what he looked like now. I didn't think he should have been in the NBA. But again, he Portland wouldn't be here without him. They wouldn't be in this position without him. So there's absolutely. I don't think it was disrespect to say that, given his age, given where he's at, given what he showed, that maybe it was time that he needed to hang it up. I don't think it was disrespect, as Lillard said, and other people keep saying all the time, every time he gets, he makes a shot. But no question, he deserves to be in the league, and he's been great for Portland during this run. Real quickly, Kendall, um, do you think that there's real teeth behind uh, any of these threats to have massive boycotts in college football? Pac-12 players said that they're ready to sit out if the Pac-12 doesn't get their act together. And it doesn't seem like they're ready. Because as soon as they put it out there, you know, the coach of Wazoo was just throwing guys off the team. So I'm like, this, <laughs> is, this isn't going to go <laughs> This isn't gonna go well. Yeah, um, the Big Ten put out a – they didn't put out a threat, but they kind of like, eh, this is what y'all got to do, and maybe we'll talk. So that wasn't it – was, there was a little threat, I think, in the post I read. It, it was definitely saying I, I strongly – I strongly encourage you to consider these options that we're putting out there. I don't know. This seems like crazy that they're going to try to play football. Like, I, I think this is almost crazier than the NFL. Am I, am I wrong about that? I, like, Rutgers has like 50, not 50, I'm not going to, let's not lie. They have like 20 guys who have coronavirus right now. That's still a lot, though. Like, they got, yeah. like, they got like two dozen guys with coronavirus. These other teams... I'm not, again, for all the people out there saying, oh, you're wishing that. I'm not wishing anyone gets coronavirus. But the 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 trend suggests that it's only inevitable that teams are going to start getting these these outbreaks. And I don't know what you do for a team that has an outbreak. Like, to me, that team can't play that week. And the Big Ten, they did stuff for their schedule where they, they could be flexible, I guess, they said. But yeah, they have time in the schedule. I don't know. I, I don't think... I, I I think that there are going to be some issues. I think some of these players. I think a boycott is possible. We've seen a lot of star players already announced. Yeah, Greg out. Rousseau said I'm done. Uh, dude from Purdue Michael said Parsons. I'm done. Yeah, Rondell Moore, Michael Parsons from Penn State. Yeah, sitting out. Um, <laughs> which is unfortunate, and it sounds like there could be more. You know? Um, oh yeah, everybody keeps saying, "Oh, there's more coming." <laughs> y'all, yeah, y'all worried about these guys. The big names. Every person you saying that right now, like, look, I mean, Rousseau and Parsons, even Rondell Moore, huge names, especially in college football, um, and in regards to the NFL draft. But we still haven't gotten the Trevor Lawrence, Justin Fields type names. Yeah, we, I mean, we haven't gotten the, the offensive skill players or even players that you uh, think are. College yeah. football playoff threats. Yeah. Like, none of those guys you think are 
Making a difference no. in the cost. Maybe Parsons. Yeah, I Parsons mean, is like the, the guy on the outside. Maybe if Penn State, right. everything goes right. Like a top 10 team, probably top 15 team. But, you know, again, like you said, we haven't lost anybody that expects to be playing the college football playoff. But, I mean, again, I mean, what's the what's the incentive? Especially, look, if you're Trevor Lawrence and Justin Fields, I mean, Justin Fields maybe has some incentive because right now I think he's probably – battling from behind Trevor Lawrence for the number one pick. But um, in reality, what's the incentive for these guys? I don't, I mean, think, there's, I don't think there's any. Yeah, my really nothing. Even for Justin Fields, I don't think there's any. I think that... Yeah, yeah if we're talking think, about, like, there's way more to lose than there is a game for them. Yeah, like, he's going to be the second quarterback draft, taken. Yeah. Because he's going to be the number two pick in the draft, more than likely. Or at least top three, top four. Yeah, and, like, he's going to be the second quarterback taken. Yeah, so, he's going to be the second quarterback taken. So, so we know what that means. That's top five at least. Like, we just yeah. saw it with Herbert, wherever he was, five or six. Like, yeah, as high as two, as low as yeah, five. exactly. I, mean, I guess two was, was the second quarterback at five. That's true, right. Know? He was five, right. And Herbert was right after him. Yeah, six. You know, surely with the third he quarterback. Even third, which is, like, very unlikely for him. <laughs> the top six probably. Yeah, if, if, if by some means somebody drafts Trey Lance, which I will tell you, I just watched – Trey Lance's uh, tape. That kid, that kid's nice, man. Really? I gotta take yeah, a look. I watched three. I watched his three playoff games. I can definitely see why teams like, why scouts like Trey Lance. Um, he's still, I think, I, I think he's still a, a, he he might be in the same tier as as Fields and Lawrence, but he's still a clear third for me. But, um, but it, he is impressive. He's better. He's much better than Justin Herbert. So and wow. take that. From and Herbert was drafted. Was drafted six, six. exactly. So, um, much better than Daniel Jones. So, um, much better than Dwayne Haskins. So, yeah, I like. I certainly like uh, Trey Lance. But um, no, but this college football season, I don't know what it's going to look like. Um, right now, I mean, we're again, we're talking about these these conferences trying to play all conference games. They have to. They 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 have to, and I have to reiterate, they have to play in a bubble and i know the first conversation that comes with college football college basketball john rothstein said that college basketball power brokers have discussed the possibility of a bubble college football and college basketball but particularly on the subject of college football they need to play in a bubble and i think they could now the first conversation that people have is well, yes, this sounds all nice and great, but it'll never happen because it's it's a it's it's essentially a legal admission that these guys are employees, which then becomes opens up the can of worms of these guys need to be paid, which the NCAA doesn't want to do. They want to pretend like these guys are amateurs. They want to pretend like these guys are all just like the regular students, mm-hmm. which putting them in the bubble eliminates that entirely. Yeah. My thing is, it's time for the NCAA to wave the white flag on amateurism and understand that, yes, these guys aren't like normal students. Because, look, if, like we talked about, if they don't have a bubble, this season isn't going to finish. Yeah, like the money, like they have to make the calculation. I don't know what the calculation is, but what's the calculation to losing an entire season of revenue? Or right. a majority season of revenue. Let's say you play three. Yeah, ninety percent, eighty-five. Yeah, something some absurd number. Whatever that revenue is, and that's that's billions in one year. That's billions. Yeah. What's that to giving some kids some money for years? 
Like, could your sport survive? Could some of these programs, individual programs, survive? No bread for a year. They will not. I'm telling you right now. They yeah, won't. Program, college football programs that would fold. Yeah, they would just fold. They'd be like, no more football. Or at least not for a couple of years until we figure out where to get the money again. Like, they got to make that decision. And if they're okay with losing some teams and losing all billions of dollars for a year, then all right. Then That's a lot of lost jobs. I'm just saying, I think that paying everybody a, a you know, nice amount, but nothing crazy, That that's not going to be billions. Yeah, you can't pay these guys like G leaders. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I, 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 I just, I don't know. It seems nuts to me. I know they're trying to do the name, image, image, likeness, likeness thing, but to yeah, they're gonna have to figure that out. And again, I don't even know if it's gonna have to be a situation where you have to pay these guys now. Like, I don't know if the guys in the bubble have to get paid, but like, they will. Like, them being in the bubble would kill any legal argument they have in the future. So that would be the that that would be like a sacrifice for them. And I don't know. I mean, now I would argue like how many guys are sitting out? How many guys if you told me if I told you the ACC was going to have a bubble in Charlotte, the the Pac-12 is going to have a bubble in Seattle, the the Big 12 is going to have a bubble in St. Louis or Dallas. And all these different places. The SEC would have one in Atlanta. How many guys, Big Ten in Indianapolis, how many of these guys are sitting out and saying, I'm not playing? Probably not nearly as much as we're having right now. Definitely not the star players. I think the star players right. would be more and more it'd be more possible that they'll play. Because it's it's safer. Right. In reality, it's safer than not playing. Yeah. Like would I rather be in the bubble and be protected from like coronavirus for the most part, or be in the wild wild west that is the United States of America right now? I'd rather be in the bubble and I get to play football. Great. Now, of course, again, you guys, you guys have to take online classes and stuff, but I think it's doable. A lot of these places are doing online instruction anyway. In fact, if you if you institute a bubble, now these schools can go to full online instruction, which would not only, um. Which would not only like save a lot of you know uh, instructors and save a lot of school faculty. Yeah, save a lot of money. People trying yeah, disinfecting all the stuff money. they gotta do. Yeah. You also, I mean, you you're you're helping the country. Yeah. <laughs> because a lot of the re- a lot of the, the only reason a lot of these schools are going to in person instruction is so that they can have a football season, which is grotesque to begin with. Right. But like. If they if the football season if they if they're in a bubble then you don't have to worry about that so now you can you can kill the facade of we need all these students to be back on campus which would then would just save lives point blank it would save lives so I look I think the college football bubble needs to happen I think the college basketball one certainly needs to happen as well but football can be done and I think players would sign up for it. Oh, bas- basketball, I think, is a, is a no-brainer. Basketball, to me, is a no-brainer and kind of easy. How do you do football when there's how many? Like, there's only most of these places. Where where are you playing the games, and how are you playing all of those games on one field in one day or two days? You'd have to play it all throughout the week, I'd imagine. How are you um, doing that in a way that makes sense? Like that to me is always a problem with the college football yeah. bubble. You'd have to play. You can't have a team that just played on Wednesday than playing right. on Sunday. I, I would say, look, you'd have to play. You'd have to have two days in the week. 
maybe it's a Thursday Friday situation, Friday Saturday. Um, if you can get two fields, have two. But fields. you guys start those games at like nine a.m. for some of these conferences. Like, <sighs> some, I mean, how many teams are in the Big Ten? Big Ten has twelve teams. We're football game starts six t- game a week. Football football, football games game start like they still them joints are three and a half hours. You have a yeah, you have a twelve o'clock. You got a you have a a four, and then you've got a, a nightcap. I think it's do. Yeah, you gotta do it over two days. Can't do it in one. Yeah, you'd have to do it over two days, and maybe three. Like maybe you have a one game that's a Thursday joint. If you feel like I don't want somebody playing on Friday. You know, super early or super late or something. Like that. It just doesn't seem like like. Okay, so where are the players being housed? You have to have a hotel bubble. Is it near the stadium? How do they get into the stadium? Oh man, I mean <laughs> that's the problem. Is that I just feel like with all the guys, I, mean, I know I thought I, I know last week or a couple weeks ago I said that the NFL excuse that there were too many guys was a bad excuse, and I still think it is. I think it, a cost is a little different though to me. Um, I just that there, there are some logistical things that when you're dealing with kids and more protection that you would need, I think, than I feel comfortable with, with adults, that would concern me a little bit. So that's, that's the question. The question you'd have to you. The, I think the bigger question for me is like the actual administering the bubble concept. Are the WNBA I'm, players at? Are they at IMG? Are they living there? WNBA players, yeah, they're living at IMG. Because okay. I haven't seen, because, like, what we've seen with baseball, now nah, they're traveling, so that's totally different. But it just seems like if y'all not staying right where the courts are, like, it's going to be a problem. That's that's the impression I get with this thing. So my thing is, okay, you could be just in a hotel in a bubble environment. Like, you rent out a hotel and nobody leaves, I guess. But then it's just like, okay, but then you got to go to the games. And then you got to suit up and they like how is that gonna work like is that i mean the nba like, i think the nba hotels aren't like right next to the arena i just, i think it's like a 30 minute thing no they're living there i mean it, it, but the disney campus is huge i think they still have to like take a bus yeah but nobody else is there i'm saying like in indianapolis people are walking around with coronavirus being infected yeah, I just feel like the bus driver, like it's bus driver, the guy is driving the bus to the games. Or is he going to be in a bubble? Like, I mean, the NBA went to like extreme levels. Like when I every time I learn a new detail about the bubble, I'm just like, like, like with the chefs, they were like, okay, the chefs they couldn't get in the bubble, so what? They're in another bubble, and I was just like, wow. So the chefs are in a bubble somewhere else, close to the bubble, and they can't go nowhere. It's like right. I'm, I'm like, these are things you got to think about, and of course, and. I, I don't know about how fe- feasible it is, given yeah. how, I, like, again, you're talking about you're playing on one field, and the field, is there's no housing at the field. And you're in a, a city that just has coronavirus. I mean... I feel like the NBA bubble is different because I feel like in the wobble in, in WNBA is different because it's like, it's like its own community. Right. Whereas if you're just in Seattle, it's like, okay, your hotel may be good, but, like... You're still getting your packages, you're still now, getting whatever. Like, now, I, that's I why know. I think it has to be a situation where you can't travel. Like, it's you. You go to the hotel from the hotel to the game, back to the hotel. You can't leave. If you do leave, you're out. You're back. Going back to school. You're going back home. It's very strict. If you there, you're done. And if, if guys want to risk that, all right. 
Some guys will. And that guy's done for the year. You don't lose your scholarship, but you're... Yeah. You're, you're disqualified. You're yeah, you're disqualified. You're out for the season. Yeah. I mean, I agree a bubble is the only way this could work. I just don't know if... Fans obviously would sign up. TV networks would sign up. And schools would... That's the only problem. Will the school sign up? Will the NTA sign up for it? It don't seem like they are because they keep putting out these other proposals. I'm not saying they're nothing. I feel like like they've tried. I feel like the NFL has not tried at all. I feel like... Now I now I think that they're being a little crazy with like no again them saying yo this ain't good enough and guys getting thrown off the team but I think they put together something they they put in they they they've tried they've done like the equivalent of like yeah you know like we're gonna like they they've done the J R Smith like you know your team's down by thirty and you hit like three four three four. <laughs> like down by fifteen no yeah like, oh, wait, look man I put in an effort tonight. <laughs> it's like, yo, man, like, this is a fake effort. Like, yeah, the NFL has done nothing, so in comparison, you're right. Yeah, the guy who had zero still is a bum. You're right. He's still better than that guy. But the idea... The guy with the, the, Tony, the, guy the like, Tony Snell box score. <laughs> you all yeah, played him. Tony Snell box score, yeah, you play, you're doing better than that. But, <laughs> a.k.a. Roger Goodell. But, yeah, but this, this, this idea that, like, doing a conference-only schedule is, like, like the coronavirus cares about whether or not you're playing a conference opponent or not. It's like so. It's it's it is it, bad. It's, it's it's so. Like I saw Miami was like Miami was like traveling to like like Virginia or something like that. I'm like that's far, dog. <laughs> that's like that, I mean that's like a three hour flight, right? Intense, man. Like like that's not. I mean you couldn't drive there. Like you couldn't drive to Charlottesville. That's a that's a, that's a day. Like like the, the ACC, like their 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 divisions aren't <laughs> aren't separated. No, like, it doesn't make any really? sense. It's always been it's always been absurd. Like we've all known that. That's been the joke. So when I saw that they were going to North and ACC South, but they don't care about that. Yeah, and I gotta so pull now we've got like Miami playing Pitt. So now Pitt's gonna have to go into the the depth of, or I'm assuming I guess we're going on the road this year. Like we have to go into one of the hot spots of coronavirus. I mean, this is all. Yeah, Miami plays. Yeah, exactly. Pitt has to go to Miami. Like they're in a neat. They're like what would I guess? Like, I would assume it's a decent spot. And now they're going to one of the worst spots in the country to play. A <laughs> I mean, I only laugh because of how ridiculous it is. Obviously, it's yeah. unfortunate. I'm just not- like, this is <laughs> this is crazy. Now, again, now on the football side, like. <laughs> One of the things that I did think was funny was that the SEC came out with their schedule today, um, their version of the uh, the conference only um, college football schedule, and the thing that stood out to me, EJ, was that for each each team they added, they, they're facing the same teams in their division. Yeah. Um, and then, obviously, all the teams in their division, and then they added two more teams from the other division that they're supposed to be playing. Yeah. Um. Well, of the teams in the in the SEC East and the SEC West, well, f- let's start with the, the SEC East. Arkansas got screwed over. Oh, yeah. <laughs> added to Arkansas schedule in Georgia and Florida. They're trying to get Arkansas out of here quick. <laughs> and in the SEC East, Missouri got screwed over more than anybody in the entire conference. Because <laughs> added to their schedule, they thought they had a light two matches who was it Mississippi State and and who was it Kentucky or somebody yeah. it was somebody awful 
and like not, Vanderbilt, I think <laughs> Alabama and LSU. Yeah, so, I don't know how that happened even the ACC because like we weren't set like Miami wasn't supposed to play Clemson. I saw Clemson on our schedule. I'm like, yo, <laughs> what happened, dog? Yeah, I know it's awful. Man. Yeah, I was like, yo, what what happened? Like this was we supposed to play them like next year or two years from now. I'm like, I don't want to play Clemson now. I feel so bad for uh, for yeah. Newcastle uh, Missouri. Yeah, come on, man. They they did them wrong. Missouri had to play LSU and Alabama. Welcome to the SEC moment. But yo, Alabama got Missouri and Kentucky. Oh yeah, they they were they were super light to the good team. Come on, man. LSU got Missouri and Vanderbilt. Like, <laughs> I know what's going on. Yeah. There and there is no oh well like there's a geography geographical thing because Alabama ain't that close to Kentucky. They know they're like we, they, we can't mess around and have these teams not make the the, the playoff. That's this was nasty, a, man. Yeah. Kendall, this was nasty. Like you trying to save kids? Yeah, Alabama, Georgia makes sense. That's not that long. The distance is not that far. It's not you don't want to travel anywhere, but if you're going yeah, to yeah, yeah, traveling, yeah, like that you do that. You put you know uh, with Arkansas, you put them with someone like um, like Missouri. You know what I'm saying? Like that's a closer right. spot. Like they should be playing Missouri. You don't forget about matchups. You're just worried about just making sure these places people aren't going. Yeah, too far. Like they didn't even do that. Like they just. They just put play people wherever they did just to, um, yeah, trying to protect the, the like best team. Florida's playing A and M. Like, come on, man. Like, we know A and M is garbage, and we like that's a ridiculous fight that you're having them take. Yeah. So yeah, this was this was this was nasty. <laughs> there's no there's no that. This this was this was nasty. But it's the SEC though. Like again, it's it's, it's not a laughing matter in the sense that this is all serious. You hope nobody gets coronavirus. But it's so ridiculous that you go again. You go and laugh at it because you're like, man, SEC. Even in pandemic, they're still out here. Do you think trying look, to pull fast we, on their people? We're in August. The season's supposed to kick off in like three weeks. What do you think that we play any games of college football this year? No, my instinct tells me no. Wow. No, I don't think so. Because when we get closer, the I mean, the there's going to be just like. The, the amount of people just shouting on the ceilings or, don't play of like how crazy this is and you guys are nuts to try to even think about playing with no kind of insurance no money no nothing and you're traveling you're making the trip from <laughs> you're making the trip from Texas to play in Gainesville like nah nah this this isn't gonna happen they're gonna do something I don't know what they're gonna do maybe they'll propone it maybe they'll Say okay, you're playing in the fall, spring, or you're a winter sport now. I don't know, but they can't, they're not going to do this. I, that's my gut. I agree they should do some kind of bubble. I just think that the again the legwork to get it done to make it make sense should have been done three months ago, and they've done zero of it. So now it's like trying to do it now. I think it's impossible. I think we'll. I think we get some conferences playing. I don't know if it'll be all, but I think we get some conferences playing initially. Because and- I guess, I'm assuming IMG Academy, like, they're not having school there. Right? I'm assuming... I mean, not right now. Yeah, they can't. They would be, because Florida is, like, open. Like, they they like yeah. they go into school. Or if it's not, they're about to tomorrow. You know? So, like... Because right. they're no, south, I, they, they start school earlier than everybody right. else. I don't know how long the WNBA is, is, is going to be there. I know it's shorter than normal, but it's not... They're not Again, they're not ending tomorrow. And schools in Florida start really soon. Yeah, like, I'm guessing like IMG week, Academy is going to be delayed. Or it will be yeah. online. So to me, because to me, like, that would make the most sense. Is you would... How I would do a bubble real quick is I would 
just say the school is the bubble. So I'd say, yo, University of Miami, your, your campus is a bubble now. Nobody else goes in. Nobody goes out. You disinfect for a week. Just athletes. And it's just athletes. The University of Miami is the ACC bubble. And you're going to play here. You're going to go to school here. Everything's going to be so you're here. Saying, you're saying make a school a conference bubble. Yeah. And then I would have the problem. See, Miami's a bad example because they don't have a campus. They don't have a stadium campus. So you couldn't right. do Miami. But it could be Florida State. It could be anybody. Yeah. So I would say, okay, we'll have games at the normal stadium. So let's say if it's, at, it's, it's FSU's Dolt Campbell, which is on campus. And then we'll have games on the practice field. And, the, you know, the bigger games we played at the, you know, in the big boy stadium and then the games we don't care about, you know, when, uh, you know, North Carolina is playing North Carolina State. We don't, you know, Wake Forest is playing North Carolina State. probably a better one. We don't, we're not, those are being played in the practice field. And that would be my bubble. That's, I think, the only way you could do this. Now, the locker room situation, I don't know how you figure that out. Yeah. Because I don't, I don't know how you figure it out with the other thing, but. Yeah, but um, but I think that's the only way you could do this. I think that you would have to just say you have site schools where you guys are just all there. The campus, the school decided. Okay, like you said, because we're deciding not to do um in 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 person learning, we can just close the campus so nobody goes in, nobody goes out, and we make this the bubble. That's what that's to me the only way you make this work. You have the dorms there. You have the living situation set figured out. You have at least one, you know, feasible stadium. And again, they, all these places have good practice fields, so you can have a practice field that's also uh, the ones that can be fitted to be like a stadium that a field that can have two full sidelines of equipment, people and stuff. Those would be uh, that would be where I do it. Now, how you schedule practice? How again? A lot of this stuff is tough. I am not going to say I know all the answers, but. I don't think you could do a hotel thing and go to the city. I think it's going to have to be a school. And that, I think you could, that to me is more feasible. Like, they decided, like, they said, yo, the Pac-12 really isn't going to play. I think they could turn around one of those schools to be that bubble location sooner than we would think. Like, in a month, I think they could figure that out. Problem, yeah. no, Big Ten, yeah. you probably have to go to places. situation is really the only the, issue. The only problem is just, like, if you if you get delayed, like, the Big Ten, okay, where are you playing? Because all those stadiums are outdoors. You're going to be playing games in Michigan in December 20th. Like, you know, like, right, right, like right. that's a problem for some some places. Uh, you know, it's not a problem for the, the Pac-12. It's not a problem for the, the ACC, the SEC. Um, but it's a problem for a lot of places. You know what I'm saying? Maybe it's not a problem for, you, uh, for uh, the American Athletics. Maybe you just play at a... Uh, um, where Florida Atlantic plays or whatever, but yeah, but, uh, but like the the weather in some some areas may be tricky to figure out, but that's how I would do it. I, and, I, and I never thought about this. I just really was sitting here thinking like, how would I do this if I do it? That's I think that's the only way that you could feasibly get this done and have the season start relatively in time. But you got to start tomorrow. Like you can't waste any more time. Yeah, and that's the, that's the scary part is that like any like good idea would have to start really soon, and they're not considering really anything. No, they think they have the idea, like they they've, they've yeah. settled on the idea, which is why the players really, are like, "Yo, we ain't yeah. playing," because like, they're like, "This is the pressure I got. We're in a lot of trouble." But uh, I think they'll try initially, and I think it'll probably look crazy. Yeah, and I don't think it's gonna last. 
I have a lot of great questions about why the NCAA had dragged its feet on this, but I, I think it's going to open a can of worms. I don't think we need to get into at this late in the podcast. This is supposed to be a short podcast. We're we're over two hours, so that's, we're going to wrap it here. Um, but this was fun. This was again not as a as like structured as our normal podcasts are with at least the behind the scenes. Maybe the listeners like this sounds like you guys normally, but uh, this was a good conversation. Hope you guys enjoyed listening. Um, like I've said before, you can catch all of our podcasts on the New Generation Podcast Network on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud, Stitcher, and TuneIn. Um, well, once again, a massive shout-out to Jonathan Macri, Nick's Film School, Nick's Sports Illustrated. Uh, he did a interview with us that's on our YouTube channel. Obviously, it's on our podcast network as well, but you catch our YouTube channel, New Generation Media. We've got a lot of uh, attention for it. A lot of people have been weighing in, so that's been really awesome to see. We've got a lot of new subscribers. So if you're subscribing on our YouTube channel, you decide to check out the podcast. That's why you're here. Welcome. Hope you guys are enjoying this as well. Again, if you haven't checked out our YouTube channel, check it out, New Generation Media. Follow us on social media. Twitter, New Generation Pod. Instagram, New Generation Podcast. Facebook, New Generation Media. You can find me, EJ underscore Stewart, on Twitter. Action EJ on Instagram. Thank you guys so much for listening in. For Kendall, I'm EJ. Take it easy, guys. Peace.